This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I warn you, having a dirty breakfast like the one I've just had is not, it's not good. I needed a bit of sugar. Mars, a Twix and a packet of crisps. I've got a very classy mouth though, so I will, will do my best to struggle through this. I hope you're having something a little bit nicer. Oh, I really fancy some hash browns. What's happened to me? Am I pregnant? Uh, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Plenty of stuff on the show this morning, including many people with dementia hide it from their loved ones because of the stigma attached. We'll talk to the Alzheimer's Society in a few minutes to find out why. And men, when was the last time you went to the doctor? Apparently we don't do it very often. And today marks the first ever National Tradesman Day. We are looking for your tradesman stories, good and bad. You can get in touch by email, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, start your text 3CR. But the, the best way to get in touch is to phone us up, isn't it? Come on. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Remind me later on to tell you my plumber story. It's the only time I've... Uh, I, I'm good at confrontations on the telephone. Face-to-face, particularly in my house, I can't do it. And I normally become very British, very reserved and very subservient. Oh, I told a plumber exactly where to go once. I called him a, a thief. And I used... Yeah. <laughs> the producer's just relaxed. I told her the full story and she was worried that was going to drop out. Not on air. But boy, did, did I use indoor language while speaking to that gentleman. And he deserved it. Anyway, I'll tell you later on. If you've got a... Uh, a, a tradesman story, good and bad. Let's let's celebrate the good ones as well as, um, you know, pointing the finger at the naughty ones. Oh eight four five nine, four double five five double five. Now here's an interesting story. Almost a quarter of people diagnosed with dementia say they don't want others to know because of the stigma attached. That's according to a report by Alzheimer's Disease International, which carried out a global survey of two thousand five hundred people. The report also reveals that two-thirds of those with dementia and their carers believe there is a lack of understanding of the illness. Well, Paul Dunnery is the area manager for the Alzheimer's Society in the east of England. He joins me on the line now. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. This report is quite shocking, isn't it? Um, I think it's just really sad that we still have such a long way to go to overcome people's fear of um, dementia. Um, We're talking about it more. It's on the TV, it's on the radio a lot. But we still, people still are concerned and frightened and feel uncomfortable about talking about it. And is it that the people with Alzheimer's don't want to talk about it? I remember my my granddad, who's passed on a long time ago, Granddad Bill, was was lovely, and and he got Alzheimer's. And it wasn't that he was embarrassed to talk about it. He didn't know it was happening. And he would have, the, the moments of confusion would get more frequent. I remember him saying to my nan once, he said, Joan... Something's happening to me, isn't it? I don't know what it is. So is it an embarrassment or is it a lack of awareness of what they're going through? I think um, I think a, a while ago it probably was a lack of awareness. I think we are more aware of, of it now. But people, when you are, um, if, it, if it is affecting you, I think it's a very confusing time for people. And mm. you don't know what's going on with you. People, always, people often say to us, the first thing they say is, I thought I was going mad. Um, and that's often their fear that it's, uh, they're, they're thinking it's something else, um, and it's not dementia. Which, of course, we know now that we can, with um, a good diagnosis at the right stage, there are drugs and treatments available, which can not cure it, but can help um, you manage it and help you live with it for a better, um, and, and so you cope with it better. So, does it do the, do the drugs uh, slow things down a little bit then? Yeah. They, they, what they, they, they sort of 
they'll help um, people always say to me that they find their thinking better that they're right. more confident I mean I think I don't think it gives you confidence obviously but it makes you feel because you're feeling probably less confused less disorientated so you'll feel more in control and feel better so it does um, it gives you a better ability to, to think and to reason and to have a conversation it's um, that, that's people often say to me I, I'm much better with my, with my thoughts and my conversations um, so it's you know getting treatment at an early stage is, 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 is vital really for people and people I remember my granddad it was about 20 years ago uh, he was kind of written off pretty early by the doctors he's like well you've got Alzheimer's good luck a doctor's a bit more understanding these days um, uh, we still get yes there you are um, but there are still we still get so many calls from people I mean we obviously don't hear the people ringing up to say oh, I had a great experience but we do hear so many stories from people who say I went to see my doctor and he said well what's the point or she wow point. and that's really and, and wow. that is what you were saying from 20 years ago that's incredible still happens so we, there's still a lot of work we need to do to get people to understand that getting a diagnosis early is is will help is it becoming more or less common in this country, Paul? Um, because well, because it's a, an illness and disease that affects people who are in their later life, and because we're all living longer, there's more of us right. than the like. Then obviously there's going to be more more dementia because we're all living longer. So we, you know, it, it, that's great that we're all living longer. But, but obviously we need to make sure that people who have got the illness are, are looked after and supported better. And other things that people can do, you always hear stories about uh, if you do Sudoku or if you play on your Nintendo or if you do things like that to, to keep your mind stimulated. Does that actually work, or is it if you if you've got it or you you know it's going to progress anyway? No, I think I think that I think what all evidence suggests is that the more. Um, keep ourselves active, the more en- we keep our brain busy, we keep it engaged, um, then we deal with it, we deal with it, the people with dementia deal with it better. It's also like being, you're still being involved in, that's why we, we want to combat the stigma, because if you're still engaged with your family and your friends and colleagues from the past and your activities and hobbies, if you're still engaged with those, then you're going to be still stimulated, you're still going to be part of life, and that you'll deal with it better. What often happens is people become withdrawn, isolated, removed from their friends and their, and, and, and their, and their loved ones. Um, and carers say people stop coming around, and that's what we're trying to say in this report. You know, we need people to take some action and be um, and, and, and make make keep contact with people it's really important paul listen uh, thank you so much for coming on paul dunnery area manager for the alzheimer's society in the east of england uh, I- i'm sure if you're listening to this you probably know someone who's been affected by alzheimer's it is it is particularly common i remember my granddad getting in and it was just the most heartbreaking thing to see this tall strong uh, intelligent man you know kind of broken really and uh, by the end it was it was a terribly sad state of affairs it's good to hear that that drugs and medication have moved on in the last 20 years or so disappointing to hear that doctors are still like what's the point if you've got any stories about that too please give us a call 08459 455 555 this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio here's some exciting news dear listener friday the 5th of october it's the anniversary of, of the release of love me do by them beatles i like them beatles they're dead good they are uh, the first single released by the Beatles back in 1963. And we're celebrating Beatles Day on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, if you're not a Beatles fan, that 24 hours is probably going to be hell for you. But 
Who isn't a Beatles fan? Everyone's a Beatles fan. If you're not a Beatles fan, you're some kind of pervert. What are your memories of the Fab Four? Did you get to see them when they played in Beds, Hearts and Bucks? And what Beatles song has the most memories for you? You can get in touch with us and share your Beatles story. Uh, email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. If you put the subject heading Beatles Day, then we'll know what it's about, won't we? Friday the 5th of October, Beatles Day, BBC Three Counties Radio. Very excited about that. I'm trying to get a monkey on the air. Trying. Good morning, it's 6.15 on Friday, September the 21st. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A man will appear in court this morning charged with the murders of two female police officers who were shot dead in Greater Manchester on Tuesday. Discussions are taking place over Vauxhall's plans to sell its storage site in Chorland to developers. And in sport, England's cricketers start their World 2020 campaign in Sri Lanka this afternoon as they face Afghanistan. Weather coming up in a few minutes and also on the show today, the BBC has exclusively been given the results of the most widespread study to look at young men's health in England. And it paints a worrying picture. We'll find out more after 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, and a little bit later on in the show, uh, we will be uh, talking about men's health and how often men go to the doctors. Because uh, famously, men don't go to the doctors very often. And the study's been done in- into this, and we'll be talking about that later on. David in Bedford has texted in, 81333, starting his text, 3CR. Morning. Last time I went to the doctors was two years ago to sort out my athlete's foot. I hate going to the quacks. They're for old people and sick babies. <laughs> old people and sick babies. Oh, that's made me chuckle. When did you last go to the doctors, gentlemen? 81333, start your text 3CR. Here's Roy Orbison. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was play- you caught me playing ukulele along to Roy Orbison. I do apologise. It's a ukulele special, by the way. I have my ukulele. I'll take requests. Listen. I can do that. But that's all. Oh, there's an echo there as well. That's nice, isn't it? Now, now, now we're, into, we're getting into second gear with this show, dear listener. I found out how to put reverb on my ukulele. Things are looking very, very good. Uh, oh, look. Start the weather with Steve. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Can you come round and clean me windows, please? They're a bit dirty. No. <laughs> What happens on Sunday? Anyone's guess at the moment. There's the forecast. Thank you, Steve. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I felt like we were getting the weather into 2013 there. It was uh, was a very detailed weather report from Steve Weston, and that is what makes him so darn good. Now, listen, this is your breakfast show, okay? So, I mean, technically it's mine, but you can... (laughs) Let's not get carried away. But you can call in. We, We throw these topics out and we pick on the news stories and we do bits and pieces that we think you'll find interesting. But if you've got something you want to talk about, give us a call and if... If it's any good, you can come on the air and talk about it. 08459 455 555. That's what Bill and Hemel did. Good morning, Bill. Oh, good morning, Ian. You're very perky for 20 <clears> past <throat> six. What's going on? Well, I've, I've got to go up uh, very early this morning anyway, because I've got to go to Watford Hospital. Oh, you OK? Uh, yeah, it's for a check-up, actually. It's, um, I've just had my gallbladder out and Ooh, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Hey. and. Uh, they're just going to go and just make Bill, sure. Can I'm I okay. say something? That's going to um, Bill. Before we continue, can I just say something that will make me sound like an idiot? I have yes. no, I have no idea what a gallbladder is. 
Well, nor do I really, but uh, it's it apparently it's, uh, it's uh, to do with something to do with uh, your digestion and your bi- biles or something underneath <laughs> your uh, kidney. BBC Three Counties, uh, the home of bile. Your, uh, underneath your... your um, What's your it? liver. Yes. Bill, now, what you got in touch with us yesterday, and you, yes. you had a question, and we, we thought we were talk- talking about this and thought this was fantastic. So what is your question, Bill? Well, actually, I've got about two or three, actually. Oh, but, but, Let's see what uh, we can do. Well, I'll, I'll try and run them off as quick as possible. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in words yeah. and, uh, and uh, things that go on in life. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm 65 now. Happy and, birthday. Uh, I haven't... No, I'm not today. Oh, sorry, I apologise. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but I, I, it's say my birthday. It's my daughter's birthday today. I don't care, Bill. Get to the point. But, but, <laughs> but this is a thing that I'm always intrigued to... I, I'm always intrigued to know. Whose idea was it to do this? Yes, Bill. Yeah, um, how do we always, or why do we, always clink our glasses when we all say cheers or, or celebrations? Oh, yeah. That's one. Right. Why does women always have little tiny small watches that um, you can hardly see anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, and, that's uh, a good one. Go on. Yeah, but I've always, I've always wanted to know these things. Yes, uh, yes. And why do women yeah. and men yeah. dress the different way round? Like, button, oh. we button okay. up one way and they button up the other. I can answer two and, of these also, questions. And also, why oh, does oh, women oh. always wear high heels? Right. Well, have you got a problem with women, and, Bill? Or do you want to be one? Is no, this... no, no, no. It's just these things okay, that, right, are, stop. that you I give me four. want to Bill, know. Bill, calm down. You give me four. Let's start off. The, and there, Just a, a brief glimpse into your mind. So, mm. the first one, why do we chink our glasses when, yes. we, when we say cheers? I know the answer to that. Oh, do you? I do. Well, I'm, I'm dead clever. Because in the olden days, right, it would be quite common. Supposing I was a king, right, and you were, you were a lord, but you wanted to murder me, you might put a little bit of poison no, in I don't me. want to. <laughs> <laughs> but if you wanted to, you might put some poison in my ye oldie ale. So what they would ah. do in the olden days, and I learnt this from work experience, Ollie, I can't claim credit for myself, is they would chink the glasses, then I would pour a little bit of my uh, ale into yours, and you would pour a little bit of ale into mine, so that we could show that we trusted each other and that we hadn't poisoned each other. Yeah, that's one version. But I've heard about half a dozen Ooh. versions. I would like to know which one's what. Okay, well, we'll find um, out. And I can tell you, I can tell you why women and men dress on different sides. Mm-hmm, yes, yeah, because good one. because uh, in the olden days, <laughs> it's all in the olden days. <laughs> I am old. <laughs> I know, what a marvellous laugh you've got, Bill. If only we could Thank bottle you. that and throw it in the sea. Now, in the olden days, women would have someone dress them. So, you, your zip is on your right-hand side. You can do that up yourself. But the <laughs> w- women's zip is on the left-hand side because someone else would be doing their zip up. Uh, yeah, I, I think right. I'm, I'm getting faces pulled at me by my Why production can't everybody team. everybody have a zip these days instead of buttons? Oh, I, li- I like the, the buttons, the fly button. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah. So, um, so Bill, I tell you what, Bill, we've got those questions: smaller watches and high heels. Well, yeah, yeah well, it's, it's just well, a thing that I could throw out to the audience that could probably find other things that that might uh, interest interest. Why? That's what I called a title. Why? Why? You've called it. You've, listen, you've come up with a feature. You've given yeah. it a name, and you've provided a soundtrack with your haunting laugh. So, Bill, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we'll keep listening. We're going to get the answer. What a, what a lovely fella Bill was. Wonderful. Bill in Hemel. So there we go. Bill has given us a feature. I believe they call it in radio terms. It's called Why. It's called Bill's Why. So, what he wants to know there is... Uh, did I get that right? You chink the glasses to show that you trust each other and you don't poison each other. 
He also asked some other ones. Why do men and women have zips on different sides? I think I've got that answer right. Why do This is a good one. Why do women wear tiny watches? I guess it's because they're so dainty and precious. And why do women wear high heels? I, that I wouldn't have a clue. There are any traditions that you don't know the origins of. There's a couple of, uh, of them. My producer this morning said, why do you wish the turkey bone when you make a wish? What she means is, why do you pull the turkey bone with your little pinky and make a wish? That's what she means. No, it's, it's the little finger that you do it with. Uh, why do we salute magpies? And where, where does honeymoon, where, where does the honeymoon come from? We've had a couple of suggestions for that uh, in the office. I'll, I'll listen to yours. 08459 455555. Those are a few we thought of. If you've got any, do get in touch. We'll sort them out this morning. Uh, don't forget you can get in touch. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give us a call with your traditions. Uh, where do they come from? And if you've got answers to any of the questions we've just thrown out. 08459 555555. Here's the latest news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. That's the wrong thing. Uh, Busy show this morning. Uh, We're talking Alzheimer's. Uh, We're talking traditions. Uh, There'll be a little bit of ukulele music later on. If you you play the ukulele, give us a call. Maybe we can have a little jam together. 08459 455 555. But first of all, uh, men's health. The BBC has exclusively been given the results of the most widespread study to look at young men's health in England. And it paints quite a worrying picture. The project surveyed over 4,000 men and found that most were overweight, drank too much and didn't exercise enough. One of the ways they were able to talk to men about health was by approaching them at local football matches as opposed to them going to their GPs. Well, when was the last time, gentlemen, that you went to the doctor? Justin Dealey has been speaking to these men in the pubs of Luton. Now, sir, you're 64 and you do go to doctors if there's something wrong, but when you were younger, did you have a different opinion? Totally. Never had time. So you're a painter and a decorator. What about your colleagues, your younger colleagues? Is it a case of, I don't need the doctors, I'm absolutely fine, even if there is something wrong with them? Basically, they can't afford to take the time off to go. They do care, but money is just more important to them. It is, yeah. It's the way of the world. You've got no money, you can't live, can you? I've managed to find John. John, you're actually having an operation tomorrow. You're having a hip operation. Should that operation have happened years ago, but you were too slow, like many men, to pick up the phone and and go and see your local doctor? Yes, correct. Just kept putting it off, to be honest. I didn't think it was that serious at first, but as you get older, wear and tear. Well, the million-dollar question, then, how do we get men to go to a doctor's? Because I've not been for years, and there's a a slight lump on my leg, which hurts, actually, so I know it's not too serious, but how do we get men to, to actually take a keen interest in their health? Get a good woman to look after you and make sure you go. <laughs> Enjoy the pint. Thank you very much. All right, thank you. Well, here's Pat. Pat, you've had two heart attacks. Did you know there was something wrong before the heart attack came on? I had a fair idea. There was someone badly wrong. I... But you never went to the doctor? No. But why wouldn't you go to a doctor in that situation? I thought it would just pass. <laughs> it's a male thing, isn't it? Sort of. It's sort of he-man effort, like, you know... I'm not sick, I'm all right. I could have died. I, I got uh, three stents on in Bedford Hospital. Like, but that was only because it sort of pushed it that far. You have to go. <laughs> the previous man I spoke to said, what you need is a good woman because she'll push you and if there is something wrong, she'll say, right, you will be going down the doctors. Is that a fair reflection that women can make a, a big difference? Oh, they would drag you there. Right? Ex-wife would have just dragged me there straight away. <laughs> you know, you're not, <laughs> you're going, you're there. Like, Well, I have to say, you, you're enjoying life today. Great smile. Thank you so much for your time. 
That's lovely. Thanks very much. <laughs> Wasn't that lovely? Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. When did you last go to the doctors? Or are you one of these blokes that's like, nah, not really? Well, Professor Alan White carried out the research. Professor, talk us through what you found. It was very exciting. The three-year program saw the professional football clubs, Premier League, uh, employing a health trainer to work in the clubs, and those health trainers went out into the local communities and um, set things up to get men engaged in fitness and physical activity. Uh, So it wasn't around their health, it was around just getting yourself fitter. But it was a health program, so it wasn't labelled health, it didn't frighten people off. But when we looked at the data, we had 4,000 men filling our questionnaires, the number of men that had problems that had crept up on them, they hadn't realised they were drinking, smoking, uh, um, getting overweight, sedentary, they weren't active. Uh, And um, through getting into this programme, getting physically active again, and a lot of them had really missed that, my goodness, they saw so much improvement. They started to lose their weight, they cut down on their alcohol. So as a physical uh, um, activity programme, we found it to be remarkably successful. So simple little things could make a huge difference in their lives. Oh, absolutely. It, 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 it's, cr- things creep up. You don't realise your weight's going on around your middle, and that does increase your risk of diabetes and high blood pressure, even the fat-related cancers. The, the um, sitting down all day, either when you're at work or even when you're in, unemployed, and, and being sedentary is very bad for your mm-hmm. healthy alcohol. Stopping, uh, cutting down makes a huge difference. And then if you've got a problem, go and get it looked at. Go and get it sorted, well, this because thing, Dave, it does make it easy. Dave in Bedford has texted in, and he said that doctors are for old people and sick babies. Is, is that kind of a common train of thought for men? Because men generally are more reluctant to go to the doctors, aren't they? Yeah, well, the, th- the thing was that we saw that um, so, you know, eight out of ten of our men had multiple health risk factors, like overweight, etc. And yet, two out of three of them felt their health was good or very good. So there they were walking around with a time bomb, um, and they weren't getting involved with the doctors. Uh, and they don't. If you don't feel ill, you wouldn't go to the doctor. But it's 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 about uh, seeing the doctors more than just giving out tablets. There is advice and guidance on weight, also on stress. A big problem now for men. Uh, a lot of these guys had stress, but they didn't see that the doctor was someone who could help them with it. And yet they can help them, and they're very effective. We just have to recognise it's a it's. It's a service, and it's a service for men, so why aren't we using it? Professor, thank you very much. Professor Alan White there, who carried out the research into men's health. Uh, What's simple, I think we had a few simple little things that you can do just to, you know, improve your chances a little bit. Um, But the thing that's really caught me is is, is that that men are, and we've heard it on this show before, are reluctant to go to the doctors. I'm not. Oh, I'm at my GPs all the time! They love me in there, or they hate me. One of the two, I'm not sure which. But I'm, if, listen, if I've got something wrong with me, I've got no qualms about going to the doctor. The only problem is trying to find an appointment. You're real on a Monday. Uh, we, yes, we, we're full up this week. Can I book for next week? Well, you'll have to give us a call on Thursday. Well, hang on. I might be fine by then. 08459 455 555. Be honest, chaps. When was the last time you went to the doctor? And you heard Justin in his report there saying... That if it hurts, then it means it's okay. <laughs> he said this in the office yesterday, and I, 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 it didn't really sink in. Is that true? If it hurts, it's okay. What about, what about if it's your broken arm that hurts? You would take that to a doctor's, wouldn't you, Justin Dealey? Can you hear me, Dealey? You fool. Eight one three double three.
start your text 3CR 08459 455 555. Why do men and women dress on different sides? Why do we salute magpies? And what the hell is a honeymoon all about? And if you've got any questions like that you need answering, give us a call. If I can't answer it, then maybe one of our listeners can, because I know that you're a bright bunch out there. 08459 455 555. Chris Rear, The Road to Hell. There's a story in the Daily Mirror today. Hookers sell sex to RIPs for £2.50. Estate hit by Fields on Wheels. Oh. There is outrage amongst pensioners as uh, women are selling sex door-to-door for as little as £2.50. Why are they angry? They think it's too much? What? Dearie me, isn't the world, isn't the world feels on wheels? You've got to admit, that's a great line, isn't it? Uh, we've had a text. We're talking, um, we'll be talking later on about um, tradesmen, good and bad. And I do want to hear your good and bad tradesmen stories. We've all got them, haven't we? I've got a fantastic handyman now. Wonderful fella. Comes round, he comes round kind of when he wants, really. You, you phone him up and he'll come round two weeks later. But does a cracking job, doesn't charge that much money. Wonderful. I've had some dodgy people. I'll tell you later on about my plumber. Oh dear, I oh did. He was my plumber for one day, and what, for twenty minutes and twenty minutes only, I called him a thief and told him to leave my house. Used very strong indoor language. Well, Tony, the taxi driver, heard me talking about that. He said, "Ian, you said earlier you used indoor language to the plumber." Well, I picked you up on my cab on Charing Cross Road. God, you had a filthy mouth in my cab. Well, now, the reason I did that, Tony, as we all know, is I'm uh, very middle class, and when we meet some of the lower classes, we talk down to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being slightly flippant, but you, you do, don't you? I, would, I wouldn't have sworn, Tony, unless you started it, and I would have joined in. It's like a, like a verbal camouflage. Uh, and we had a call earlier on asking, why do men and women dress on different sides? The zip's on different sides. My explanation was that women used to have people to dress them in the olden days, so the zip would be on the other side so it was easier to do up. If you've noticed, have you ever tried to do a, a coat up on a little boy? It's impossible. You have to get behind them and reach round to do it. Whereas a girl, it's easy. Well, uh, Pentagon has texted in, Ian, if your explanation as to why women dress to the oppos- opposite side is valid, how did left-handed men deal with dressing in olden days? Ah, I don't think we bothered, did we? <laughs> It's coming up to 6.45. It's Friday the 21st of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A 29-year-old man will appear before Manchester magistrates this morning, charged with the murders of police constables Nicola Hughes and Fiona Bone. Almost a quarter of people diagnosed with dementia are keeping it secret because of the stigma attached, according to a new report by the Alzheimer's Society. In sport, Luton Town are away to Grinsby in tonight's televised conference match. And the weather for Beds, Hearts and Bucks today, cloudy and dry at first. But we'll have rain this afternoon and into the evening. Top temperature, 16 degrees. And coming up today marks the first ever National Tradesman Day. Later on in the show, we'll be speaking to Clive Holland from BBC One's Cowboy Trap. I like him. I like him. He's better than that Matt Allwright, isn't he? Yeah, much better. <laughs> we'll hear about good and bad tradesmen. If you've got any stories, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. bit out of tune. Uh, so, coming up on Nick Coffer's show today from midday. It's a bit out of tune. It's not my best uke, all right? It's, it's my boy's uke. The best uke's out of action, all right? That's why it sounds a bit ropey. Normally, I'm brilliant. Uh, Nick Coffer today, he's talking about relationships in the company of St Albans-based psychologist and relationship expert Jessica Valentine. 
She'll be taking your calls and answering your messages, uh, answering uh, your questions about relationships. You can be anonymous if you want. E- email him now, nick at bbc.co.uk. Nick at bbc.co.uk. Ah, always uh, worth a listen, Nick Coffer. Fantastic show. Now, moving on to slightly more serious issues. The man accused of killing two policewomen in a gun and grenade attack will appear in court this morning. Dale Cregan is charged with the murders of PCs Fiona Bone and Nicola Hughes, as well as two men who were killed earlier this year. The Chief Constable of Greater Manchester, Sir Peter Farr, he has renewed his appeal for information. I would just like to say this is a complex investigation... And I would ask that anybody who's got any information um, about the murders of our two officers or the other murders uh, that you've just been hearing about, that those people look to their consciences and come forward. Well, our reporter James Alexander has got more. Good morning, James. Hi, Ian. James, what's due to happen this morning? Yeah, this uh, is just a brief hearing today simply to outline the charges, likely to be tight security at Manchester Magistrates' Courts. Dale Cregan will appear in the dock accused of four murders. The first of these was back in May. Mark Short shot dead playing pool at the Cotton Tree Pub in Manchester. Then in August, Mark Short's father, David, was shot dead at his home. A hand grenade was also thrown at the house. And then on Tuesday, this incident we all know about by now, PCs Nicola Hughes and Fiona Bone called to a reported burglary. When they arrived, a gunman opened fire and also threw a grenade at the officers. An hour later, Dale Cregan walked into a police station and was arrested. As well as the the four murders you mentioned, Cregan is also charged with four attempted murders. What what do we know about those? Yeah, mainly these are connected to the Cotton Tree pub shootings. Three other men were also injured when a gunman burst into that pub. Police are blaming an ongoing feud between two criminal families. Detectives have warned certain individuals they may still be at risk from a batch of hand grenades that may still be on the streets. Wow, when you start talking about hand grenades, it just takes it into the realm of fantasy. It's incredible. Other arrests have been made by the police, haven't they, James? What's the latest on these? Yeah, a couple of other arrests to tell you about. A 28-year-old man, Stephen Garvey, is being questioned on conspiracy to commit murder. Now, we understand his arrest concerns that phone call made on Tuesday morning reporting a supposed burglary. This was the phone call that brought those two police officers to the house where they were shot dead. Separately, police on Merseyside have arrested and bailed a 22-year-old man over an offensive Facebook page set up after the shootings, oh. calling Dale Cregan a hero. Yeah, you know, sort of shocking the stuff that's out there. And um, as we've seen before with social media, you know, people leave things on Twitter, they put up Facebook pages, sometimes thinking they have anonymity, uh, but the police clearly on this occasion are, uh, are interested in speaking to that individual. The internet is the breeding ground for idiots and bullies. Uh, you, you talked there about the, the, the negative side of the social media, but I would imagine that there's been a huge amount of public support online, hasn't there? Well, you're right, you know, you get idiots and bullies online like you do in the real world. You also get some great people who are looking to help and, and express support and solidarity. And police say the officers' families have been really overwhelmed by all the messages of support that people have left on an online book of condolence. You can go on there, you can read the messages, you can leave one of your own. There's also an online campaign involving police from around the country offering to fill shifts in Manchester to allow officers in the city to attend their colleagues' funerals. No no date's been set yet for when those funerals will take place, but this morning the man accused of their murders makes his first appearance in court. James, thank you very much. Our reporter James Alexander, no doubt, will be following that story. Why, why would anyone set up a Facebook page like that, whether it was this lad or not? Why would anyone think, do you know what? I'm going to set up a Facebook page saying, 
just it, it doesn't make any sense at all. <sighs> tradesmen coming up after this. What are your tradesman stories, good or bad? That's a nice song, isn't it? We think her name is Amelia Mitiku. We just say it's Kareem Bailey Ray. You, you can't tell the difference. I like that. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. To me. <laughs> I found the echo. Boy, am I going to overuse that fader. Now, today marks the first ever National Tradesman Day. It's been created to try and get us to think a bit more positively about builders, electricians and other tradespeople who work in our homes. A recent survey says only a quarter of us trust tradesmen in our homes. And apparently it's programmes like Road Trader and uh, Rogue Trader and Cowboy Trap that's giving them a bad reputation. Well, Clive Holland from BBC One's Cowboy Trap joins us later on. I would say it's not those programmes. It's the builders and the workmen giving themselves a bad reputation. There are some brilliant ones, of course there are, and if you find one, boy, hang on to them for dear life. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, is out at a building site this morning, having a look at where he could end up if his career goes sour. <laughs> morning, Justin. <laughs> morning, Ian. Uh, good and bad everywhere, of course, but listen to this. I'm in Lemsford in Hertfordshire, right in the middle of the country here, looking at this beautiful cottage, and uh, joining me live in the radio car is Alan Ward. Alan, good morning, welcome to the programme. You're from Hatfield, you've been an electrician now for, what, 18 years or so. Uh, You must be very impressed about this day, but also, you're saying you've never ripped anybody off in the past, but do you have to pick up the pieces from the others who unfortunately do? And we know they're out there. Yeah, unfortunately, yes, you do see it um, far too often in my case, but... uh, um, I'm afraid it's a fact of life, and but the, the, yeah, people just have to be a little bit more aware sometimes. Although they, you know, they don't know what's going on all the time because they're not tradesmen, don't know what they're doing in their house. But it's just a little tip, two little tips and things they need just to keep the keep the uh, the wrong people away from their houses. So, would your top tip, and this is very important this morning, would your top tip be <clears> to never ever, regardless of what they say to you, never pay up front for anything? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if uh, when. Uh, it's always it's easy to say that, but sometimes you have to lay out an awful lot of money on uh, materials, etc. So when goods start arriving on your property, then, yeah, OK, fine. I think it's fair to say to people, look, I've spent under a few thousand pounds on your kitchen or what have you, then it's now in your property, I expect to be paid on that part of it. And I think that's fair enough. However... Up front, no, I very rarely do that, very rarely do that. We're going to be doing the Ian Lee test in just a second, but just lastly, these TV shows which Ian has mentioned, the likes of Rogue Traders, uh, you as somebody who works in the trade, do you think they're a good thing or a bad thing, those TV shows? I think they're absolutely great. I mean, consumer awareness is fantastic. Um, I use them to my advantage because you can, you, can, you can direct people to them and let them think about what we're talking about, let them think about what you're doing. And, hey, I think they're a fantastic thing. Excellent stuff. Right, moving to the car. Ian, join us for this conversation. Yeah, Justin, what was this, the, the Ian Lee test? What's oh, this? You, you're now slightly concerned. A little you? bit, yes. yes. live radio and all that. Um, Alan has literally just turned up, by the way, so we're... He's a bit late, was he? <laughs> <laughs> There's a surprise. We're throwing him into this one. Um, now, I have to say... <laughs> Alan, I'm useless at DIY. I can't do anything. I can't even put up a mirror, okay? And in my house with my fiancé, there's plenty of those knocking around. So, uh, you know I'm bad at DIY. I've got two photographs here of Ian Lee, who's Mm. back in the studio. I have to say, Ian, who takes these photographs? One of them, you look like a handsome hunk from a CNA catalogue. It's um, with the spiky hair, the white T-shirt. And the other one, well, it's Marlon from Emmerdale with with a stripy T-shirt. Hey, Justin, what's going on today? I'm just saying, one of them is beautiful, one of them is not The the beautiful one is, is what I normally look like. The Marlon Dingle is me on a bad day. Come on. Absolutely. So, from these two photographs here, very different photographs, uh, Ian Lee, can he do DIY? Can he do it well? What do you think? Yes or no? Scientific I would say no. 
What? You say no. Why? I say no. He looks the sort of chap who's more sort of artistic than yeah. and and and, and in, in meeting people, etc., and what have you. Hence why he's doing his radio show. But yeah, he just looks the sort who would rely on other people. It's too early in the morning for compliments. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, I'll take them back then. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. There you go. That's Alan Ward who has uh, sussed you in. He says that uh, you you're no good DIY. What do you mean he sussed me, yeah. Justin? You've never <laughs> you've never seen me put up some shelves. You've never seen me paint a door or, or lay a patio. You can't do it, can you? Because no, I, I can't. can't. I can't and do it at all. I, I think it's something to do with tall men. I yep. think we've got similar builds. Quite tall, men. quite skinny. Yeah, tall and handsome. Yep. Yep. I think, you know, as uh, our guest just said there, you know, DIY is just simply not for us. Leave it to the experts. Leave it to... You, you must have had some dodgy traders in your time, haven't you, Justin? Uh, well, not particularly. I'll You've tell you why, right. because th- th- there's a few people in the family who are in the trade, and thankfully it's ah. come through recommendations. They always say, don't they, look for recommendations, and if possible, go and look at somebody else's work. Yep. Yes, you're putting time and effort into it, but what you don't want is to to be ripped off. Justin, thank you very much. You see, dear listener, despite what you think, Justin Dealey cares about you. He cares. I can't do any DIY. Absolutely terrible. We're asking for traditions. Your traditions, where do they come from? We've got an interesting one about where the honeymoon comes from. It's it's pretty gross. I'm not sure if it's accurate. I'll read it uh, in a few minutes. First of all, though, let's get the news and sports with Catherine Boyle. I'm in a good mood this morning, doesn't happen very often, make the most of it. Good morning, dear listener, this is Ian Lee. It's just gone seven o'clock, it's Friday the 21st of September and this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Plenty coming up on the show today, a little bit of ukulele. We'll be talking as well about many people with dementia hide it from their loved ones because of the stigma attached. In a few minutes we'll talk to Bradley, his grandmother had Alzheimer's and we'll be hearing his story. Men, when was the last time you went to the doctor? Also, it's National Tradesman Day. We're looking for your good and bad tradesman story. But more important, I think, than that, we're looking to find the answers to questions. We had a caller earlier on who wanted to know why men and women dress on different sides, why we chink our glasses when we say cheers, and why do women wear small watches? I think that's just because they've got dainty wrists. I want to know, why do we salute magpies? Why are magpies such bringers of bad luck? And I still do that. I'm not... I'm not... Um, what do they call... <laughs> superstitious, that's the word, isn't it? I'm not superstitious at all. But whenever I see a magpie, I salute and say, Hello, Mr Magpie. Why on earth am I doing it? If you know the answer, could you put an old man out of his misery, please? 08459 555555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We did ask um, uh, uh, earlier on as well, where does the honeymoon come from? And I, it, it's never crossed my mind, but someone upstairs earlier on before the show said, oh, the honeymoon. You think, oh, yes, that's actually, when you analyse it, it's a weird word, isn't it? Well, Sue has emailed in 3cr at bbc.co.uk about uh, what she believes to be the origins of the word honeymoon. Honeymoon comes from medieval times. By the way, it gets a little bit gross. So just be warned. I'll, I'll, you know, it's not bad language, but the imagery is perhaps a little bit colourful. Literally. The wedding couple would drink mead, which is made from honey, after the wedding, and then be ceremoniously put to bed to consummate the marriage and make it legal. This is where it gets gross. Then the sheet was produced to prove the deed had been done. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Is that right? That sounds too ridiculous to be true, but the ridiculous ones normally are true. 08459 455 555. I've got two for you. Why do we salute magpies? Because that's just nonsense. When do they bring us bad luck? And you know when the, 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 you have the turkey at Christmas and you get the wishbone 
Why is it called a wishbone and why do you pull it and why do you make a wish? That doesn't make any sense at all, does it? So why do we do that? Or as, uh, um, uh, yeah, so why do we do that? <laughs> oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call and let us know about that. Or as my uh, producer said earlier on, why do you wish the turkey bone when you make a wish? That's the question. 81333, start your text 3CR, uh, or give us a call, 08459 455 555. Now, this morning we are discussing Alzheimer's. Uh, it's affected me, my granddad had it, and uh, as I was saying yesterday, I interviewed uh, Glenn Campbell, the singer, uh, when he had Alzheimer's, and it was a heartbreaking interview to watch, and he was still a tall, he was a big man, a very broad, powerful man, to see him uh, mentally weakened. It's such a sad disease. Well, according to the latest World Alzheimer Report released this morning, nearly one in four people with dementia hide their diagnosis. Sufferers have said it's because the disease carries a stigma, and they believe that most people don't understand the condition. Well, Bradley Clarkson is an actor from Hertfordshire and starred in the show Grease is the Word. His grandmother had the condition, and he's recently become involved with the work of the Alzheimer's Society. Good morning, Bradley. Good morning, Ian. Good to speak to you. Thank How are you, you very much. Yeah, I'm OK, thank Good. you. Tell Good. us about, uh, about your gran. When, when did you and the family first realise that there was possibly something wrong with her? Well, I mean, Nam was one of the lucky ones, in a way, in that she did have an early diagnosis, and that was largely through to her own actions. She was realising there was something wrong. She was struggling to remember recent events. She was couldn't follow conversations um i remember the fridge in her house at home suddenly had lots and lots of post-it notes on because she just couldn't remember where things were or or you you know where she put things and things like that um and she was starting to get anxious and depressed and so she went along to her gp the diagnosis happened and then kind of the whole family kind of rallied around and so that was kind of the beginning in a way so it was those telltale signs that um that led to her realising that something was wrong. And did she live on her own at the time? No, she didn't. No, she was with her husband. And, okay. um, you know, in our situation, you know, she was extremely lucky because, um, you know, her husband cared for her and um, knew what was happening from the very beginning. I think what we're talking about, what this report shows, is that uh, where there is a stigma, be it within the family or in the community as a whole, it's therefore f- it's far more difficult for that person with dementia to both cope with those first symptoms and indeed then to access the care and all the stuff that's out there today far more actually than when my grandmother was diagnosed and access those services and lead a better and happier life while they can how long was your grand uh, long ago was your grand diagnosed uh, she was diagnosed in the late 80s and she and she died in, in 1999 so it was a while ago and it's interesting to compare the uh, what was available to her then and mm. what is now you know there was perhaps even more of a stigma um, in those days I mean the work I've done with the Alzheimer's Society has shown to me that certainly um, you know, in the last five, ten years, people are far more aware. Mm. There's still lots more. There's still lots more work to well, do. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, the, the, when in the eighties, and my granddad was diagnosed, I guess, in the late eighties, early nineties, around about the mm. same time, mm. uh, and there, there was a stigma. But people just thought, oh, it's just a potty old man. You That's know, right. the, the people w- were less aware of the dementia as, as a huge umbrella and Alzheimer's specifically. Exactly. I'm surprised. It sounds like your nan got good uh, treatment from her doctor, though. She did, but both from a doctor. And but I mean, it, it was actually it, it, it's about the family, and I think that's what's key yeah. with, with this message as well. The more people are aware, um, both the person with dementia, if they, it's, it's almost a relief, I suppose, because if you are being anxious and depressed, you're starting to forget things. Yeah. It's important for you to know what's going on, and it was important for her. I know because I know my nan's character. She was a strong woman. She mm. was someone who was always in control. So it must have been a fair amount of relief to her, since I have you know my grandfather help her as primary carer and as family you know rally round that was what was so important um how did you, how did your your family 
cope with it? What, what, what did you change in your life to help your gran and your granddad? It, it was just about understanding, really. And I think you know, the mental illness in all its guises, I mean, not just dementia, but depression or when someone's had a breakdown, it's very difficult. When someone's broken your leg, you've broken your leg or yeah. you've got a physical illness, it's obvious. You can see it. It's something we can understand, relate to and sympathise with. Anything, I think, to do with the mind, um, we as human beings struggle with a lot. Uh, we, we want to, we, we're not quite sure what to say or how to handle that. And it can be anyone from the husband, the brother, the daughter, or just someone in the community. If we, can, we just have a better understanding that this is an illness. Mm. And the more we can do to help and understand and help that person, um, it makes their lives just so much better. It's interesting you said that. When, when it's a physical thing, it's obvious. And you, you kind of, you know, you've got a broken leg. Do you want a cup of tea? But you're right. When it's, when it's mental and it's unseen, exactly. people don't know what to say. That's right. Uh, the, the, the best thing I've kind of found in those situations is treat them normally. And they'll, they'll tell you if they've got any special requirements but just kind of talk yeah. to them normally really That's right yeah it is about that um your uh, your grandmother passed away it, 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 how bad did it get if you don't mind me asking um it, it got very bad and yeah. usually with alzheimer's you see they um it, it's another um the person with alzheimer's will then die of something else as the brain begins to shut down mm. you know obviously then that affects the body physically and then you usually die of something physically mm. i mean you know nan was with us for 10 years sometimes people with alzheimer's they're diagnosed they may not have a year. Yeah. It affects people in very, very different ways. And, you know, the good news about my, my grandmother was she was able to stay at home um, for as long as possible. She was then moved into a care home. She remained mobile, which was great. Um, you know, it's, sometimes it can affect the body physically yeah. far more quickly. Um, and, you know, I, as children, you know, my mum and dad were excellent in that we as kids were exposed to it. Yeah. I mean, there, there could have been a choice that, oh, no, keep the children away. It's not, it's not something for kids, but we were. And I remember going, for example, at Christmas time and seeing carols in her ward. And even though I knew she was forgetting who I was and, you know, she, 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 she couldn't speak, just sometimes occasionally you'd see her smile or see her eyes light up and it was just be it's because I understood what was going on um, I was able to witness that and I knew that even if she recognised me for just that split second yep. you hoped that uh, you know she was feeling okay inside you know <laughs> Brad, you make a good point there. My, my mum lives in a home at the moment. She's got something completely different. But I, I make a huge point of taking my two little boys along to see her because, mm. A, because they want to see their nan and she wants to see them. And also, it kind of, it, it, it reduces the fear, I think. And I think maybe years and years ago, kids were kept away from things like, my mum's got MS, but kept away from people in wheelchairs and kept right. away from people with mental illness. And that's where a lot of these problems come from. And if, if kids go and see these people and say, look, they've got problems, but, you know, it's still your gran, it's still your, your nan, uh, it, it just takes away a lot of that fear, doesn't it? I think. Exactly. I mean, look, if you look historically, I mean, you, you had a baby out of wedlock back in kind of the early days. Oh, you were yes. put into an asylum. You know, I mean, yes. things, you can see how it all started. And I think, you know, dementia shouldn't be a taboo, a taboo subject. It shouldn't be something that we can't talk about yeah. and can't engage with. And yes, I think, you know, uh, within reason, you know, exposing young people to this is thing. You know, there's so many people who have dementia. You know, one in three, they're saying in years to come, we're going to be affected by it. This is something that's ever growing. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, early diagnosis means that there, are, there will be more people with it. So it's imperative that uh, you know, people know what it's about and, and can handle it, you know. Bradley, very quickly, are you working at the moment? You got anything on? I have. I've got, I'm starting a new play about the Titanic. Obviously, it's the 100th anniversary this year, so it's, um, it's a new play about the Senate hearings, the survivors of the Titanic. That's on at the St. James's Theatre, 4th and 5th of October. So, yeah, Fantastic. keep him busy. <laughs> Bradley, listen, thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Bradley Clarkson there. He's an actor from Hertfordshire, uh, and he's uh, working uh, with the Alzheimer's Society. And he's right, there is a lot of stigma around it. And I think that you need to take your kids, you know, if you've got parents that are in homes or are ill, just let your kids hang out with them.
My mum is very forgetful with her MS, very forgetful, and, you know, she phones me up ten times a day, confused as to where she is. And ten times is a bit of an exaggeration, but she does phone me up, confused as to where she is. But as soon as she sees my two boys, boom, she's back, and she's where she needs to be. Uh, we've got Mark in Bletchley on the line. Good morning, Mark. Hello, Ian. How Mark, are you going? Well, I'm all right. We're talking about men's health. Do you, do you ever go to the doctor's? Uh, very, very rarely. Um, oh. I was telling Ollie, I've only been uh, three times uh, in 12 years. Now, is this because you're super, super fit or because you're just reluctant to go? Uh, reluctant to go. I, I, I had to go, I can actually say the day, it was the uh, 23rd of August last year. Wow. I had to go last year. I, I felt um, a few little problems uh, in my head, personalities, things. So, But I, I, I'd only been, you know, sort of twice... Since then, in 12 years, the doctor's practice actually moved in between <laughs> one of them. <laughs> Did you just tell that one day and it wasn't there? Yeah. I, I, I think... Oh, why, I, are I, you, why are you reluctant to go, Mark? What, what's putting you off? I, well, I, I found uh, that some practices do a sort of, you ring up first, they talk to you, and they say, yes, come in, or we'll leave some tablets at the at the counter type thing so there's a barrier mm. in some practice i don't know whoever all practices do that in the three counties but my one does mark the thing that gets me is when the receptionist goes yeah so what's the problem uh yeah you're just an old lady i'm not telling you i will tell the person who is medically trained i.e the doctor mark thank you very much oh eight four five nine four double five five double five when did you last go to the doctor 7.15, Friday the 21st of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A man will appear before Manchester magistrates this morning, charged with the murders of police constables Nicola Hughes and Fiona Bone. The Alzheimer's Society says almost a quarter of people diagnosed with dementia are keeping it secret because of social stigma. In sport, England cricket captain Stuart Broad says the morale is brilliant in his squad as they prepare for their opening match at the ICC 2020 World Cup this afternoon. We'll have a full weather bulletin shortly with Steve Weston. And coming up, today marks the first ever National Tradesman Day. Good tradesmen, I salute you. Before 7.30, we'll speak to Clive Holland from BBC One's Cowboy Trap to talk about good and bad tradesmen. And if you've got any stories, uh, we want to hear the bad ones. We want to hear the good ones as well. Let's pick up the good builders. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're asking uh, for your um, uh, texts and emails and phone calls about traditions. Are there any traditions that are around that you've got no idea where they come from? I think we had Bill earlier on on the line who called in and he, he set a few uh, few questions for us. We're talking um, about um, why do we go on honeymoon? We've had one answer. I can't believe that's true. That just sounds too gross if it's true. Uh, and I'd like to know why do we salute magpies? Well, Ross in Bedford is... Te- Ross, you've not answered the question. If anything, you've muddied the water even further. He says, magpies, one a wish, two a kiss, three a letter, four something even better. The rest of the rhyme I don't know. What a crime. No, that's not the rhyme. One for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy, five for silver, six for gold, something, seven for something that's secret that's never been told, eight for a, an Xbox, nine for an iPhone 5. I don't know. I, I've stopped there. I don't know if you've noticed. I've, I kind of had to make some of them up there. But, but, but why do we do it, though, Ross? Don't throw stones into the already slightly murky pool. Give us an answer. Speaking of the iPhone 5, it's out today. I've not had the text saying that mine's been dispatched, which means mine's not been dispatched. But people are queuing, right? People, uh, th- and they do this every time outside Apple stores and when new consoles like Nintendo and things like that are, are released. I know because I've been to some of these events to cover them for various shows. Uh, and I've seen these people. There's a great picture on page 17 of The Sum 
uh, of people queuing outside the Apple store in London, Regent Street. There's one guy, <laughs> there's one guy dressed in an all-in-one Lycra bodysuit. But it's covering his face as well. His whole body and face are covered by this Lycra suit. The thing, I, I don't get the queuing outside for these. Because, hey, guess what? You can order it online and get it the same day. Yeah. You haven't got to... And they will, they will have been there for a, maybe a week, some of these people. You can order it online and get it the same day. If you get yours... We'll be talking about iPhone 5 later on. Apparently there's a problem with it. That, or the new uh, iPhone operating system. That means when you go to the maps, Luton is in Devon. Huh? What? We're speaking to Rory Kettling-Jones, who's fantastic, the BBC gadgets expert. But on the subject of magpies, we have Judy. Good morning, Judy and Lee Grave. Good morning, how are you? I'm, I'm confused as to why we salute magpies. It's always left me scratching my head, and I do it all the time. Right, my, my understanding is that magpies mate for life. So if you see a single magpie, you say, good morning, Mr Magpie, how's your wife today? Mm. But if you see two, you don't have to do that, because they've obviously got a partner. Right, but but, but then but then why do we do it though? I don't really know why it, how it started, but oh. I, I know that's really why it's done. I actually have a fabulous poem that I wrote. Well, sorry, I say it's a fabulous poem. I wrote a, a poem for a friend of mine. That I introduced this superstition about magpies, and it nearly drove him round the bend. But I'll send it to you. If you please, want. Uh, Judy. Please, well, if it's going to send me round the bend, don't bother. But but no, I'd love to have a look at it. <laughs> but there are some things that are obvious. Like the, the walking under ladders. That comes from because you don't want anything dropped on your head. That's as simple as that. There's no, there's no magical, mystical thing around it. You don't want a pot of paint dropped on your head. But saluting magpies is proper mental, isn't it? Well, not really. I mean, there are lots of, lots of superstitions that are uh, balming. I, I was uh, fortunate enough to have a fabulous um, mother-in-law who had the most incredible superstitions about various things. She's a German lady, and they, they are fraught with magpies. And there are certain things. So I bought my husband, when we were engaged, a pair of shoes, and she, she went absolutely balmy. Did you put them on the table? No. Okay, so you, know, you never put new shoes on a dining table. No. Nope, brings death into that. the house. Absolutely. Yeah. But with her, it was, I've got to, she, her, my son, my, sorry, my husband had to give me a coin. <laughs> because otherwise the superstition was if you do, if you buy your lover a pair of shoes and he doesn't give you a coin in return, he'll walk away from you. Oh, God, blimey. Judy, listen, thank you. We're, go- we're going to move on to get the weather in, but thank you for that. Superstitions and traditions. 08459 555. Never put, never put new shoes on a dining table or any table. Let's get the weather now. It's Carson Bucks Weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Never whistle on the bridge of a ship. You get sworn at by the first mate, as I was. Thank you, Steve. Now, today marks the first ever National Tradesman Day. I'm excited about this because I get to talk to one of my... uh, Hero is a strong word, but I get to talk to someone I like a lot on TV. I know. Uh, It's been created to try and get us to think a bit more positively about builders, electricians and other tradespeople who work in our homes. A recent survey says only a quarter of us trust tradesmen in our homes. And apparently it's programmes like Rogue Trader and Cowboy Trap that's giving them a bad reputation. Well, those two are two of my favourite, favourite shows on TV. And Clive Holland from BBC One's Cowboy Trap joins me on the show now. Good morning, sir. Morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you very much. I've got to say, I love your programme. Thank you, mate. Uh, how true do you think it is that, that shows like yours are giving tradesmen a bad reputation? Well, do you know what? It's the only the first time uh, I've ever thought about it, to be fair. Um, you know, for me, and certainly with my show, 
I, I champion the good guys. You yep. know, my my background hopefully is is uh, of the good guys. So, um, you know, when when I think about it, long and hard. Uh, I have to say that I hope that isn't the case, certainly with our programme. The, the realisation is this, that every episode, when we first started, we've just finished our 100th episode wow. now. Wow, fantastic. And when we, when we first started, we used our own set of builders in Series 1. And then come Series 2, we thought, you know what, we need to show people around the various areas that we're going to that there are good guys out there. And every radio interview I do, I always champion the good guys because mm. I love them. You know, this nation is, is been, has been built on the best of British when it comes to builders. But I understand where people's mindset might be. But you know what, Ian? Mm. It's ever so important, this, that very recently I was filming in the new series of Cowboy Trap and we had two ladies, one after the other, funnily enough, one in Barry in Wales and one in Bristol, who were had gone so far in being distraught that they wanted to actually take their own lives. Oh, my goodness. So that's what bothers me. But in terms of the good guys, I'm, I'm happy with the, that Irwin have done this and, and, and done the research. And also for National Tradesman's Day. But do you know what? Every day should be National Tradesman's Day. If you've got a quality tradesman, you know, give them a hug because they're worth their weight in gold. They are. And uh, listen, I've had, uh, I've told briefly my story of a plumber. We had to, we, bizarrely, we moved into a house. There was a bath in the downstairs bathroom. We needed it taken out that day. A guy came round. He, on the phone, he said it'd be 250 quid. I was like, yeah, okay. He came round, took the bathroom out, took the bath out, took the toilet out. He said, yeah, it was a bit harder than I thought. He'd been there for 20 minutes, Clive. He said that's going to be 350. And I kind of reluctantly wrote a check. And then he said, oh yeah, if you want me to come and fix the toilet again, that's another 200 quid. I went bonkers at that point. I said, listen, mate, you've been here for 20 minutes. I called him a flipping thief, Clive. <laughs> yes. And okay. I, I, I don't get very confrontational in public. On the phone, I'm fine, but in public, I don't. And I, I threw him out of my house and said, you're a flipping thief. And he turned, he said, come on in, let's shake hands on this. I said, I'm not shaking hands on you. And since then, I've got a fantastic handyman who did a day's worth of jobs for 150 quid. And it was all it was all VAT. It was all legit. I've got a superb plumber. And you're right. When you find someone good, Clive, you've got to hang on to them for dear life. Now I got these through. We went into an estate agent and we said, "Do you know any handymen that are good in this area?" And they recommended some. How do people not get ripped off? and find someone good they can trust. Well, I think the easiest way to do that, particularly, and, and in any case, it doesn't matter what you're having done, whether it's a bit of guttering or whether you're having a bathroom changed or a full extension, what I say to you is this. When you ask for three quotes or you get three local builders in, or whether it's your electricians or your plumbers or whatever, um, you need to go and see the like-for-like work that mm. they've carried out at, at previous properties and speak to the homeowners and, and ask them. I mean, if you've had a good uh, builder in your home, Home, you'd be happy for another client to be coming along going, you know, um, this is the price he's quoted, this yep. is what I want doing, what did you have done, you know, how did it go, did he stick to the time frame, did he stick to the price, everything else like that, just tick, 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 all the boxes. Do, I mean, I know it's going to use some shoe leather, but do it. I think that's the most important thing, and, and also to have a contract. I mean, you can download contracts. In fact, I've got a book coming out on the 25th of October, and in that, there is a contract in there, a template contract, that any homeowner can use, where you can dot every i and cross every t and make sure that everything is structured your staged payments you know not paying any cash up front that sort of thing doing your research i think is the best way to find your top tradesman and you know 90 
five or we used to say 99 percent of the of the uh, tradesmen and women in in great britain um were great and, and only one percent really spoiled the barrel it's actually been proven over the last two years that it's grown a little right so but even say 95 percent which i think Irwin are also saying uh, there's 95 percent of the good guys out there and i think albert the guy that they've um, chosen as the first of the national tradesmen uh, or, or the oldest i think he's the oldest tradesman Fantastic. in great britain you know as i say you've got to embrace them yeah. but you've got to do your research first don't go on purely word of mouth don't choose a builder because he's just down the street and he's halfway through a job you've got to see the completed work Clive, my, my rule of thumb is if they've only got a mobile number i'm not interested I'm, well I, I want a landline correct you know what even though landlines are sort of going out of fashion definitely you're so right get a landline get get the mobile of course but also check their addresses out yep. and don't forget to do a credit check because they can do a credit check on you you know quite comfortably and this is what i always say to the good guys as well is do a background credit check on your customer it's easy to do and if you just go go online and check them with you know the company's house and that sort of thing and you'll find out just how many businesses they've owned how many businesses they've actually folded etc etc how long the business has genuinely Clive, been we've got 10 seconds give your book a quick plug Oh, okay, yeah, great. Um, it's called House and Home, Making the Most of Your Property. There's loads of hints and tips in there. It's out on the 25th of October. Um, and, you know, it has got a template in there that's normally uh, normally cost you. I think it's the book that will keep giving, honestly. For first time <laughs> you buyers. would think that, Clive. You wrote it. Of course I do. But do you know what? It took me ages. <laughs> it took me ages. By the book, listener. It took him ages. Clive, listen, it's a pleasure to speak to you. I think you do a cracking job, uh, both you and Matt, on uh, those programmes. So fantastic work there. The BBC in in beds, hearts and bucks, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. If I had a football team, I wouldn't call them young boys. It, it, it kind of, it's, it's, it's a false image, isn't it? You turn up and they're fully grown men. Very disappointing. Good morning, dear listener. Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Plenty on the show this morning, including talking more about Alzheimer's a bit later on. I want your calls about good and bad tradesmen. Had to, I do love those rogue trader programmes. I think they're fantastic. I, I love it because you get to see the people being confronted. There was a brilliant Rogue Traders on Monday, if you saw that, with Matt Allwright, and um, uh, it was just wonderful. Pure genius. Uh, So 08459 455 555, and we're looking for your traditions and superstitions. Which ones puzzle you, and can you answer where any of them come from? We still don't quite know why we salute magpies. Why why do And I do that. I'm not really superstitious at all. I'll, I'll salute magpies, and if I don't... I get a little bit uncomfortable and I kind of then have to do it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five. Why don't we open umbrellas indoors? Is that just a practical thing? You don't want to knock stuff over? Or is it, is it going to bring the devil into my house? Never put new shoes on a table. That brings death into the house. We know that. But why don't you open umbrellas? And can someone tell my little boy, please? He's got loads of umbrellas. He loves umbrellas. He's got a duck umbrella that opens up it looks like a duck he just yesterday i I came home he said daddy i've got a new umbrella he had cars and trains on it oh right yeah brilliant yeah yeah. oh eight four five nine four double five five double five now here's an odd one a senior member of the royal college of gps has offered some very startling advice for medical students dr una coles advises gay candidates to deepen their voice if they want to pass exams and those with darker skins to emphasize their scottish or welsh accents that's weird isn't it but have you ever had that experience when you've heard the voice before you've seen the face 
and then you're surprised or disappointed because the face doesn't match the voice. We've all done that, haven't we? We've all spoken to someone on the phone, like at a company. You speak to them for a few months, and, oh, yes, oh, they sound very hot. And then you turn up. <laughs> We've all had that, haven't we? Cheryl Hawkins is a voice coach from Sound Perfect in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Oh, and what a fantastic voice you've got, Cheryl. <laughs> I, could do, I could swim in it. I suppose we've all got stereotypes and, and prejudices of certain voices and accents, don't we? To some extent, but that can be easily rectified, actually. If, if I have a client who comes in to see me who is worrying about the quality of their voice, quite often it is because the voice actually is very breathy. Right. So, let me demonstrate. If I, I really do feel as though my voice needs help. Well, you can start here immediately that that doesn't sound authoritative. No. And so I do quite a lot of work on what I call voice-breath connection and use my tummy muscles to help launch the sound and that my sternum, that's the chest bone, is like my soundboard so that my sound is warmer. And I must say that there are all sorts of people who need that sort of work. And also for those who, I mean, medical people themselves need to be clear. And that's also what I'm particularly bothered about these days. That never mind what accent you're speaking in, you just need to make sure that those people who are listening to you do understand you. How many times I've had that with the doctor and I couldn't understand a word he was saying. And after the third, sorry, could you say that again? I kind of just gave up because I didn't want to appear rude. Precisely. And I think the medical profession, young doctors, and I have to say, or dare I say, uh, doctors, say, from Africa or Asia uh, who speak very fast and who are working here, they need, somebody needs to say to them that they could do some work I think, I think you dare, say, Cheryl, you dare say that, because, yes, if we, when, when um, you know, I go abroad and I'm speaking to, uh, say, a French gentleman, I don't know why I would have cause to do that, <laughs> but I have done it in the past, you do kind of, you have to slow... In fact, I'm doing a job next week where there will be foreign people watching, and I have been warned already not to use complicated phrases yeah. and just to slow down my speech yes, a little bit. Slow, slow down, absolutely so. Cheryl, you mentioned some exercises there with the stomach. Could you talk me through an exercise, please? Right, okay. Imagine you've got a balloon. This this is tricky on air, but but, (laughs) I normally normally demonstrate this to my clients. Anyway, imagine that you have a balloon in your tummy, uh, below your navel. What's it doing there? How did it get there? I've got a what? (laughs) I'm terrified. Okay, and the opening of it is at the top, and that is joined to your notionally your windpipe yes. where you breathe oh, oh, oh. and you fill that balloon with air i can hear you breathing in okay and then you use your tummy muscles to squeeze that air out so, uh, okay don't sound so okay let me, let me demonstrate <laughs> was i doing it wrong <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me demonstrate let the breath in and then i'm just going to at first go that's with my tummy muscles squeezing it out without any... Oh, yeah. look, yes, you can feel... Can, you can feel that? Good. Okay, yeah, now we can good. add sound to that. Just to try it out, letting the breath in. And now we're going to add sound. Okay, it's like revving up, isn't it? I hope it? you're doing this in your cars and your homes, dear listener, because this is fun. I'm getting a bit of a head rush <laughs> yeah, on this. Yeah, I know, it's great fun. I mean, coaching sessions have to be fun because people get a little bit frightened of this business of changing their voices. Yes. But if you can roll an R... Ooh. 
you can feel the tummy muscles working for that same thing. <laughs> right, fine. Now, if you can't roll an R, you can blow a raspberry. <laughs> Which has, gives the same effect. Fantastic. And that's going to make me sound more authoritative, is it? Well... Blowing raspberries. <laughs> I, no. No, no. <laughs> but... But it's the start of getting your sound connected to your breath. Yes. And you can feel, and if you put your hand on your sternum, yes. and you do that action that I've just shown you, you will feel a vibration in, that passes through your body. Cheryl, can I ask you a question? Do people come to you to lose their regional accents? Because in some yes. way, some accents are in. But th- th- bizarrely, things like the, the Scouse accent and kind of, I guess, the Geordie accent, they're still frowned upon slightly, aren't they? A little, a little. But thank heavens it's not so much these days. Yeah. But the bottom line, as far as I'm concerned, is do I understand you? That sort of thing. Yes, that's and the main thing. And if they speak to me in in a Scouse or Geordie accent, and I say, sorry, I didn't understand that, then they'll say, right, what, what bits didn't you understand? And I will tell them. And then we just modify it. If they ask for it, I, I often say, listen, I'm not in the business of changing your accent. It's only if you're asking mm. me to do it. Mm. And I quite often have a phone conversation with them. Yes. I go into my office and I get them to phone me and we'll have a conversation on the phone. And quite often that's very helpful because I can't see their faces. So all I'm doing is yes. listening to their sound. Cheryl, listen, we've got to move on. I could talk to you for ages. We'll have to get you in one morning if, if you're up for that. Yes, so I think it could be a lot of fun. Thank you very much. There's Cheryl Hawkins there, who's a voice coach from Sound Perfect in Milton Keynes. Were you all doing your voice exercises as you drove the kids to school and were on your way to work? Oh, my sternum has never felt so good. We're talking about traditions and superstitions and where they come from after Bill phoned in. And by the way, Bill called in and said, do you mind if I talk about this? If you've got something you think that we might like to talk about or other people might find even vaguely interesting, do give us a call. 08459 455 555. John is in Milton Keynes. John, what's the origin of the honeymoon? Good morning, Ian. Good morning, boss. Uh, I was listening to uh, that very strange, uh, colourful explanation of honeymoon. It was all about um, drinking something made out of honey and then going and having sex, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is not correct. Oh, OK, go on. It, it actually goes back to ancient Babylon, yeah. uh, when it was traditional for a couple to get married on the day of a full moon. So this is where the moon comes in. Yeah. Uh, it was also traditional for the father of the bride to then supply the bridegroom for four weeks, that would be the, the period of the, the full moon, with uh, an alcoholic drink which was made from honey and would probably be something similar to mead. Right, okay. And that's where it comes from. Oh, it's as simple as that. That's, that's quite a straightforward answer. Do you know? Do, do you know why we salute magpies, John? I don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. You got one out of two. That's not bad. Thank you very much for that, John. If anyone knows why we salute magpies, it's always confused me. And the opening of umbrellas—we don't open them indoors. Is that a practical thing? Because you know you don't walk under ladders. That's a practical thing. That comes from nothing mystical or magical. It's just so you don't get a spanner dropped on your head. No one wants a spanner dropped on their head. Uh, but the opening umbrellas, is that a practical thing that you don't want to knock, you know, all your pottery over? Or I- is there something more mysterious involved? It's National Tradesman Day today, and we are s- we are 
routing the bad ones, without any names, uh, and we are celebrating the good tradesmen. Uh, Brian is on High Wycombe. Brian, what have you got for us, a good yes. or a bad one? Good morning, I'm just drawing that into my balloon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good night, well done. Yeah, it's the flip side of the uh, tradesman, yes. where my daughter told me only last Saturday uh, a chap called to give her an estimate for replacements for guttering, and um, uh, he said that that, uh, well, that very morning uh, he'd been called out to an old lady who was very distressed she'd got a leaking roof yeah. and uh, he couldn't fix it himself but there was a rougher handy who a friend of his who he knew and he went round and it wasn't a big job and um, then she was worried about paying that she hadn't got much money and he said to her oh that's all right madam uh, we don't charge uh, lady over 80 on a Saturday morning. Oh. Fantastic. Isn't that delightful? How yeah. often do you hear that? What a wonderful story, Brian. Because I had a chap... I, it was a, one of those prices that's too good to be true. A small extension, and his price was really cheaper than I could get the materials for. And, um... Uh, so checked uh, his reference. Could you give me a reference uh, somewhere? And he gave me a reference. I went round, called on the lady. She said, "Oh, actually, we've just uh, paid him off because he's caused more damage than he was doing." This, so, is, you know, this still, is the thing, isn't it? If you get, yeah. you always get the three quotes, and yeah. if, if the cheaper one is too cheap, be a little bit cautious because there's a reason why it's too cheap. Brian, thank you. What a lovely story. Reminds me very, very quickly, this plumber I've got, we had a blocked drain outside. He sent someone round who was there for two and a half hours unblocking this drain, and he, all the, the gunk and the horrible stuff he pulled out, he couldn't completely unblock it. I said, what do I owe you? He said, oh, no, I couldn't fix it. Don't you? Don't owe me a penny. He'd been there for two and a half hours. I gave him 40 quid in the end. I didn't fix it. You don't owe me anything. Amazing. That guy's coming back. Thank you very much, Sophie. It's Friday the 21st September at 7.45. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A man will appear before Manchester magistrates this morning charged with the murders of police constables Nicola Hughes and Fiona Bone. New figures from the Alzheimer's Society suggest almost a quarter of people diagnosed with dementia are keeping it secret because of social stigma. In sport, Luton Town are away to Grinsby in tonight's televised conference match. Your weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Cloudy and dry at first, but rain this afternoon and into the evening. Top temperature, 16 degrees. And coming up, a new update for Apple devices that's been released this week has been causing a few problems. We'll find out more shortly. BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan will be in in half an hour. It's uh, always, uh, always a pleasure uh, to see him. We, we, he suggested we go out clay pigeon shooting together. I'm going to make that happen, and I will, rec- I will take my tape recorder, and you will hear it. Can you imagine? I don't know if you've ever seen Jonathan, but you know what? You, you, you've probably got a picture of him in your mind. Can you imagine him firing a rifle? I, I, just, uh, I just can't. I, I can't imagine it at all. But it's a fantastic sight. Uh, we're asking this morning, traditions and superstitions, where do they come from? Which ones are puzzling you? The, 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 the one that's really got me scratching my head is magpies. Uh, and Carol has emailed in. There is an ancient idea that the magpie was a bird that never sang when Jesus was on the cross. A single magpie is seen as evil, and to salute them and say good morning is to ward off the evil eye of the magpie. A lot of these traditions and superstitions do come from the Bible. Friday the 13th is a biblical thing, isn't it? I can't quite think what it was. Was, was, was he crucified on the 13th, or was it something to do with, with 12 disciples? I can't, something like that, anyway. Um, Andrew is on the line to talk about magpies. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. What, what, what's the, the, the magpies? What is it all about? This is what I was told. Um, which may or may not be true. Yes. That magpies are the top... A lot of birds, when they get together and they and they mate, they stay together for life. Yeah. A lot of birds do that. And magpies do the same. 
So when you see one, it's because the other one's died. Oh, dear. Well, they, they, they can't hang out together all the time in pairs, can they? Surely they want a bit of peace and quiet. Well, I suppose if you get a good-looking one, you might as well stay together. <laughs> Some of those magpies. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that, but, but then why are we saluting a, a, a widowed magpie? It still oh, doesn't explain the salute, does it? I don't know. Superstition is uh, a funny thing, isn't it? Do you um, find yourself doing these things, Andrew? No, or you, you're too no. sensible, are you? load of hogwash, but uh, I don't believe in any superstitions whatsoever, but I, I'm interested in where they come from. Listen, I, Andrew, I know it's a load of hogwash as well, but some, there's a tiny part of me that still does I have to do it. I'm a perfectly sensible, scientific, rational person. If I yeah. see a magpie, I've got to do the salute, just in case. But we all do that. There's lots of people that don't go to church, but, <laughs> but they want to get... But they go to church. They, they pray to God if there's a funeral. Hey, listen, yeah, b- boy, oh boy, I'm, on my deathbed, I'm, I'm praying to all of those <laughs> gods. I'm, I'm getting in touch with every single one, just just in case. You never know. Exactly. That's what cover all your bets. That's what people do. Exactly That's what, what you need to do. Andrew, listen, thank you very much for that. We still don't quite know why we're saluting the magpie. The, the, the email from Carol about warding off the evil, possibly, um, is the closest. Now... It's, it's an Apple day today, isn't it? The iPhone 5 coming out. I've not had the text saying that mine is on its way, so I'm guessing it won't be waiting for me at home when I get home. Probably have another week's wait. But a new update for Apple devices that's been released this week. It's been causing a few problems, as they often do. One of them is that it can't find Luton on its map application. Now, for some of you, that could possibly be a good thing, but let's not jump to conclusions. The BBC's technology correspondent, Rory Kathleen-Jones, joins us on the show now. Good morning, Rory. Oh, hang on, you're there. Sorry, Rory, they're talking about technology and I've gone to completely the wrong fader. What a Muppet. Uh, what are the problems with this new update? <laughs> well, uh, what, what's happened is that Apple used to uh, be in bed, as it were, with Google and Google Maps were, was on all of its devices. It's fallen out with Google because Google's now a rival and it's decided to do its own maps oh. and it's, uh, it's put on the latest update, which anyone can get if they've got an Apple uh, device, uh, it's got something called Apple Maps. Hey, it's sparkly, it's new, say Apple. It's got 3D flyovers of major cities. Wow. Um, <laughs> trouble I, I, is... I'd have called, Rory, I'd have called, uh, it, I'd have called it Mapple. Uh, very good, no, very good. But yeah, that. yeah, I think that one's taken already. Oh, OK, right. Um, so, uh, immediately, people started using this and saying, hey, there are some very interesting things wrong with this. For instance, Manchester United Football Club, if you search for that, you end up not at Old Trafford, but somewhere called Sale FC, which turns out to be a community football club for um, for five to ten-year-olds, I think. Oh, good for them. Fantastic. Yeah. They're going to be ground-sharing with Man U, so that's, <laughs> that's going to be fun. But, interestingly, Luton, if you, if you stick in the search bar, Luton, you, you end up uh, in a very picturesque place on the Devon coast, oh. just outside Dawlish. Now, it turns out there is a village called Luton there, tiny place, uh, but it's not the Luton that most people will be familiar with. So how are they going to... F- I'm assuming there'll be another update for the update at some point soon. Well, what this is, is a work in progress, obviously. I mean, uh, Google Maps uh, started off not being brilliant, and they've they've added to it and added to it, and it's it's pretty good now. And uh, Apple seems to have released a rough draft. You right. Know? If you think of, you know, the first, first go you have at anything, it isn't that good. Uh, trouble is, this is not like Apple to do this. So they, they usually claim that when they release anything, they've got it perfect by, by the time they start. And this time, it appears they haven't. Apple 5 is out today. My order is in. I've not had a text, Rory, so I don't think I'm getting mine today. Is it any good? Um, if you like 
uh, if you're a fan of Apple uh, products, it, it is good. It's it's better than the the previous version. Uh, but if you're if you're a fan of uh, rival devices, Android devices. Um, you'll no doubt say, we've seen it all before, this doesn't do anything that ours don't do. Well, but this has been a lot of the criticism, hasn't it? That, that things like the Samsung and all these other phones, they're going, well, yeah, we've been doing this for a while, actually. What's the problem? Yeah. Um, what Apple will say is that what they offer is a completely integrated experience that, um, you know, it works with your, uh, your existing software. You've got lots of apps that all talk to each other. You're, you store stuff with Apple in the cloud, um, and, you, and you'll want this. And it, by, by the evidence of it, by the huge uh, orders that are already in for the phone, it, it seems that um, they're right about that. It's going to be a huge hit. Am I alone, uh, Rory, in not trusting the cloud? I, you know, I want things on cassette and floppy disk. I don't like the idea of it just floating around in the ether somewhere. Well, yeah, you, you, you can live in a cave if you want to, but um, <laughs> I'm afraid oh, that's, that's, the way, that's the way the world is going. Yeah, it is, it, is, it is a bit scary for some people, but don't forget, you can, uh, you're in a situation now where you store an awful lot of data on your own computer mm. and if you lose that um you know there's no way of getting it back at, at least if you've backed it up to the cloud there should be a way of, of retrieving that rory it's a pleasure to talk to you thanks very much for coming on thank you there we go that's the, the bbc technology expert rory kathleen jones uh talking about the update well luton in there's a luton in devon that, that, i'm sure it's wonderful but come on guys get our luton on the map it's just as wonderful there's a great story that um, uh, was mentioned earlier by Catherine, and it, I've, I've been following this. I think it's, it, it's hilarious. It's, it's on page five of the, um, the Sun this morning. Exclusive, what Chief Whip told cops. This is foul-mouthed Chief Whip Andrew Mitchell yelled four-letter abuse at cops because they wouldn't let him pedal his bike out of Downing Street. So he wants to ride his bike out of Downing, Downing Street. The police say, really sorry, sir, you're going to have to get off your bike and walk. It, it's what, 50 yards maximum, 100 yards at tops? And you think, you go, all right, lads, Thanks very much. You're doing a cracking job. Well done. Off I get. No, what he said was, and I'm, I'm going to censor it, don't worry. It's indoor, a lot of indoor language on the show this morning. Best you learn your bleeping place, you don't run this bleeping government. That's the chief whip of uh, <laughs> Andrew Mitchell, what he allegedly said to the police. Incredible! Now, if you or I said that to a policeman, rightfully... We'd be put in the back of a police car, taken down the nick, and we haven't uh, spoken to quite sternly. You can't speak to the police like that. And he works in the government. He's supposed to be setting an example. Absolutely shameful. Oh, let me just quickly say uh, that um, uh, Robert Pro- uh, Roberto Proni is on. Weekdays, uh, three till seven. It's a cracking listen. The best stories from across the three counties, from amazing local people. Local news as it happens. Um, and on Friday, it's entertainment. Roundtable discussion from six o'clock. Always worth a listen. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, oh, Friday the 13th. Oh, a very bu- buzzy line. Hello, Dennis. Good morning. Dennis, do you know what? We're going to try and call you back because that's the, that's the buzziest line ever. Now, isn't that spooky? We're talking about Friday the 13th and superstitions, and Dennis is on a very noisy, buzzy line. It's funny, I've, I've done phone-ins before where we've mentioned slightly spooky things, and things start to go wrong. Technology starts to let you down a little bit. I wonder if there's... You do start to wonder. I've put in a bid to uh, spend a night with some ghost hunters. For you. I'm doing it for you. Um, And I would record it for the show. 
And I kind of like, yeah, this will be fun. Let's go and spend the night in a haunted house with some ghost hunters. And now it's looking like it might actually happen at some point. I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. Because I, I, I don't believe in ghosts. But what if I'm wrong? What if ghosts actually exist? I go and have a terrifying experience with loads of ghosts. So I, in some ways I'm looking forward to it. In some ways I'm kind of hoping this thing doesn't come off. Because it could be absolutely terrifying. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We are asking today for traditions and superstitions. If there are any out there that confuse you or leave you scratching your head and you don't know what the problem is or why, where they come from, could you give us a call? We will try and find the answer for you. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can text eight one three double three. Start your text three CR. Let's have a quick look at some of the front pages because I've realised. Look, it's nearly eight o'clock. And uh, I haven't done anything uh, from the newspaper. Well, I've done stuff. I mean, I've sat here and talked a little bit, and of course, I've uh, I've given you a little bit of this. I'm tempted to sing a song, but I probably you don't you don't want to hear me sing. You don't you don't need a song at this time of the morning. But we might have some ukulele players in a little bit later on, and we will sing a song for you. Uh, the front page of the newspapers: The Guardian, make UK more like a tax haven says the Tory treasurer. Yeah, nice one. Good idea. Daily Telegraph. Plans to solve elderly care crisis blocked by Treasury. Oh, really? Um, Daily Express. Arthritis. New way to battle the agony. The the, the Daily Express has always got the health story that you kind of... The Times. Quarter of cancers are diagnosed in casualty. And uh, Now, this is uh, interesting. MI6 is confined to shadows as Litvinenko widow blames Russia. This was the... uh, KGB spy um, who was poisoned and is allegedly linked to MI5. Well, MI6 there, MI5 in the Independent, censored. MI5 links to murdered Litvinenko. Uh, Don't act too gay. Top GP's advice to trainee doctors. That's not me saying that to you, that's actually advice from a a health worker telling people that. We talked about that earlier on. Uh, The Sun, Cabinet Minister, police are plebs. That's the front page of The Sun. Daily Mirror charged with murder of two WPCs, a dad and his son, and trying to kill four others. And the Daily Mail, rebellion over home extensions. PM's planning free-for-all hit by council backlash. One more hour of the show to go, and coming up we'll be speaking to Nicole Batch, who is the author of the latest World Alzheimer's Report. All of that and your calls on traditions and superstitions after the latest news with Catherine Boyle. Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past eight. It's Friday, September the 21st. And do you know what? It's the first weekend in ages. I've got nothing on. I'm doing nothing. I might watch a film, going to a mate's party tomorrow and playing in a band. I might play a bit of Xbox. I might read a newspaper. I might sit down tomorrow with a cup of coffee and read a whole newspaper from front to finish instead of just skimming through it. Trying to find the words beds, hearts or bucks. Oh, it's going to be joy. What are you up to this weekend? Anything nice? This morning on the show, the last hour of the show, we'll be talking more about Alzheimer's. Uh, your callers on good or bad tradesmen trying to solve where these superstitions come from. And more besides, you can give me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR, or call me, 08459 455 555. We're talking about superstitions, 
And I did mention earlier on, you do not put new shoes on a table. I can't remember if it's a dining table or any table. But, because it, it means it brings death into the house. But why is that? Can someone give me a call now? If you give me a call now and tell me, we'll get you straight on the air. Why do you not put new shoes on a table? 08 459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm going to be playing a bit of ukulele as well later on, which is going to be... This is my boys' one. It's not a very nice one. Yeah, and that's right. I'm playing Beyonce on the ukulele. So there you go. Uh, we've got some uh, a ukulele group coming in, which will be fantastic. Um, now, I mentioned earlier on, I'm going to go out and hang out with some ghost hunters uh, at some point. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And Anne from St Albans texted in. And you're worried. Why? Um, well, I, I, you know, I can't put my finger on it, quite simply. I haven't had any, what you might call, supernatural experiences. I haven't seen any ghosts. Yeah. But if you believe in goodness, the spirit of goodness, then you believe in the spirit of evil. And if you do believe in that, then it's out there. And I think it's best left alone. So you texted in said, Ian, don't go to any seance. Don't go. I, I, you know, I wouldn't go. If you, if you paid me, if you came into my house and said, here's a million pounds, oh. go and see it, go to I wouldn't. You wouldn't go for I a million pounds? I absolutely would not. Have it's... you never had a little tinker about as a teenager on a Ouija board? No, never. Wow. So there is something, uh, I, 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 there's what I call an atmosphere in places. Yeah. Women are perhaps more susceptible to it than males, I don't yes. know. But you can go into a place and there's an atmosphere. Sometimes, can you remember the old television screens when you used to turn them off? There'd be a sort of a grey speckled thing. Oh, yes, yes. Can you, can you imagine that in a room? And it's, right. it's thick, it's sort of thick with a type of atmosphere. And, and you've, you can you've felt that, on. have you? Oh, yes, yes. That's where you go. And no, no specific place. It could be a corner of a room. It yes. could be a toilet in a room. Uh, I had one holiday in Devon, and I wouldn't even go into the back of the house. But it was a Devon longhouse, a farmhouse at right. the front, and then the back of it was for the cattle to sleep in in the winter. I couldn't go into that. No, this isn't me saying this, but some people listening to the radio might now, right now might be saying, Anne from St Albans is bonkers. Yes, well, that's up to them. Yeah. <laughs> If you so, want to put yourself in harm's way, mm. uh, do you, would you deliberately, knowing or thinking that you believe something, yeah. uh, put yourself in harm's way? Surely the answer to that's got to be no. For me it would be no, but, uh, but the thing is, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't oh, well, believe in the, the spirit of evil or, or, or goodness, necessarily. No. Um, but I'm, I'm going with an open mind, and I'm prepared to be proved wrong. But go, ghosts can't hurt us, can they? I, I, I shouldn't think any ghost can hurt us. I think we're probably hurt by our own imaginations more than we're hurt by, by anything that a ghost could do. Well, and listen, I, I, I genuinely appreciate your concern. Thank you very much. OK. Take care. Bye-bye. This is Anne from St Albans, who's, who's concerned that I might be going to, to a seance. Um, I don't know. Now, now I am a little bit nervous. Should I be? Should I? Oh dear, you've got me worried there. Oh wait, four five nine, four double five, five double five. Superstitions. Shoes on the tables. Rita and Barton, you can answer why we don't put new shoes on the table. <laughs> hello. Hello, Rita. Oh, hello, Ian. It's yes. the first time I've spoken to you. So I'm a bit, ne- I'm a bit nervous. Oh, don't be nervous. <laughs> I'll, nervous. I'll be dead lovely to you. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't understand that really about the new shoes, but I won't do it either. But does it apply to old shoes as well? I think, well, first of all, if I were to put old shoes on the table, I would get a thick ear from my wife, so I don't do it. <laughs> but I was told it's just new shoes. You never put new shoes on the table because it, it uh, means someone's going to die. Yes, I, I didn't know that, you know. My mother was terrible with, 
with superstition, but my father wasn't, and he always reckoned the 13th was a lucky number for him. But I have got other, another friend who does doesn't like to take an aeroplane up on the 13th. Really? Yes, and, and I've, I've been told that a lot of pilots are like that. No. I don't, some... I don't want my pilots but flying based on superstition. <laughs> That's terrifying. I want them to be scientific. I know, I know, I know. And I, I wouldn't think about it anyway, because I'm one of these people like you, although at the back of your mind you do have these ideas still yeah. from your mother and father. Yeah. But I think, you know, really and truly, things would happen anyway, wouldn't they, Ian? Yeah, you would think so. Rita, listen, that wasn't so bad for a first-time call, was it? <laughs> we got well, on quite well. I, well, I... Thank you. It was lovely speaking to you. I have spoken to the others many times. Well, listen, you, you're you are, new to me. <laughs> you're welcome any time, Rita. Give us a call again soon, won't you? I will do. Thank you very much. There we go. Ah, now this morning we are discussing uh, Alzheimer's. Some people who are diagnosed with Alzheimer's are hiding it from their loved ones. Sufferers have said it's because they believe most people don't understand the condition. Now, you might have seen this TV advert. I tried to ignore the signs, but it was getting worse. I was afraid I was losing him. I was worried about bringing it up, but he agreed to see the doctor. He was diagnosed with the early stages of dementia. Spotting the signs early meant we could get the right treatment and support, and I'd have the dad I know and love. Uh, And earlier on, we spoke to Bradley from Hertfordshire, who told me earlier about his grandmother, who had Alzheimer's. You know, my mum and dad were excellent in that we as kids were exposed to it. I mean, there there could have been a choice that, oh no, keep the children away, it's not not something for kids, but we were. And I remember going, for example, at Christmas time and seeing carols in her ward, and even though I knew she was forgetting who I was, and, you know, she, 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 she couldn't speak, just sometimes occasionally you'd see her smile or see her eyes light up, and it was just... It's because I understood what was going on, um, I was able to witness that, and I knew that even if she recognised me for just that split second, you hoped that, uh, you know, she was feeling okay inside, you know. It's something that affects uh, a lot of us, and I told yesterday about how I interviewed um, country singer Glenn Campbell when he had uh, uh, Alzheimer's, and these PR people said, oh, he's fine, It's, it's, it's early days, he's fine. He was a very confused gentleman, and it was very heartbreaking because it reminded me of my granddad, that kind of confusion, that, that slightly, you know, childlike look that, that he gave us, and suddenly would be brought back immediately to clarity. Um, well, the latest World Alzheimer Report is out today, and Nicole Batch is the author of the report. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning. What else did you find? Uh, So what we found was that stigma and social exclusion are major barriers for people with dementia and their carers in being included in everyday activities of of society that they used to be included before, whether it's church activities or social events that they used to be involved in, going out to dinner with friends. Um, You know, I think... Uh, it's not it's not necessarily demeaning or um, it's not necessarily their friends avoiding them out of being mean, but I think friends are just pulling away because they don't know how to engage the person with dementia anymore, and they they think that the carer is you know too busy to to have these friendships still. So friends really need to take a responsibility in helping maintain these friendships because it's really excluding people with dementia and their carers, and it's isolating them mm. at a time where they need friends and family the most. It's interesting you said that. I know that some people listening will be shocked that as soon as someone gets ill friends and family kind of disappear my mum's got ms which is which she has similar symptoms to alzheimer's in that her memory is is absolutely terrible and as uh, very shortly after she was diagnosed with this 
her friends kind of disappeared, and now none of her, very few of her friends will go and visit it. So you, you're saying, and I would totally agree wholeheartedly, that, that, that friends, if anything, should up their game a little bit and should be, be, be just let them know that they're available and they are there. Absolutely. And I think people in general are just uncomfortable and fearful about dementia. Mm. And so what this report tells us is that people with dementia and carers want people in their lives. They want to maintain everyday activities. And because so many people have dementia now, 38 million people worldwide, and up to 115 million by 2050 uh, around the world. So it's really until we find that cure, which we're all waiting for and, and we hope happens someday, we really need to do a better job in society of including people with dementia. And of course, including people people t- going out for lunch chatting to them going and doing their hobbies if anything that's going to put off the disease isn't it that's that's going to help them cling on to what they've got absolutely because we do know there are other, there's other research that didn't take place in this survey but has been done before about um, isolation and depression being increased and if somebody's isolated at home and not getting out and not enjoying this you know sunshine or the weather or being with friends oh nicole Hello, mate. You're right. We appear to have uh, lost Nicole there. Well, apologies. Uh, oh, Nicole, sorry, we lost you for a second. You're back there. You're just talking about enjoying time with friends. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so we want to encourage people to enjoy that time with friends. So, for example, one uh, quote from the survey was a gentleman who loves to play golf, and um, he pulls away from playing golf because he doesn't want to hold his friends back. So if I were that a friend of that guy, I would want to encourage him to play golf. And one yeah. of the reasons why he holds himself back is because he can't keep score anymore. Oh, bless him. But really, if you think about it, is it really important to keep score if you no. just want to maintain that relationship? Uh, you mentioned the, the, the search for a cure. It, the, it goes on. And if you read certain newspapers, apparently we're, we're really close to it. Are we close to a cure for Alzheimer's? I'm not a clinician by training, but um, it, it doesn't look like we're anywhere closer to it than mm. we were a few years ago. Um, I, I know we're trying, and, and countries around the world are trying for this cure, and we hope that it happens. But in the meantime, we really need to make sure people have the resources and support in place to, to stay active in society. Nicole, absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much for that. It's Nicole Batch, who is the author of the latest World Alzheimer uh, Report. And uh, I've said before, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you listening to this will have been affected by Alzheimer's. And it's interesting, isn't it? That when people become seriously ill, their friends all disappear. I couldn't believe it. My mum, she's only 62, 62 in a couple of weeks. Hardly any of her friends go and see her now because she is physically unwell and mentally not brilliant. She lives in a care home. It's incredible. Could never do that. Oh dear, right, 08459 four double five five double five. You heard it, may have heard a sneaky little bit of Justin Dealey. Oh yes, we might get to hear Justin's voice a little bit later on. Always a joy. It's uh, 8.15, it's Friday the 21st of September. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A man will appear in court this morning charged with the murders of two female police officers who were shot dead in Greater Manchester on Tuesday. A new report from the Alzheimer's Society has found a quarter of people with dementia are keeping the diagnosis to themselves as a result of social stigma. In sport, retired England cricket captain Andrew Strauss has confirmed that Kevin Peterson has apologised to him for sending critical texts about him to South African players. We'll have weather shortly with Steve Weston. Coming up, nearly one in four people with dementia hide their diagnosis from their friends and family. After 8.30, our reporter Justin Dealey will be talking to a memory clinic in Hertfordshire. BBC Three Counties Radio. And we, Jonathan Vernon-Smith is, uh, I I know a lot of you switch off at nine. Um... (laughs) You know, just leave it on for a couple of minutes. Give it a try. <laughs> Give it a try. It may not be your cup of tea, 
possibly is it, but give it a try before, you know, give it till <laughs> half past nine. If you don't like it, switch on Kyle. Now. How, how rude. <laughs> Honestly, it's Friday. No. Listen, uh, you look, you look genuinely tired. tired. <laughs> well, you I were am. in hospital last night, oh, weren't you? Yeah. Is everything I've, all right? Yes, I've got a visitor over from Argentina at the moment, and, uh, we were, I, I was showing her the sights in London yesterday, and unfortunately she didn't see the curb. Oh dear. She fell over, cut her head open. Oh God. So we spent hours in uh, Hemel Hempstead Urgent Care Centre last night. How urgent night. was the care, though? We well, not very urgent. Though, yeah. We sat there for hours. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Anyway, she's all right. Is she, is she OK? Because I was a little bit... She's concerned. all right. Okay. I said to the nurse, I said, if you can... When you, when you have a look, if you can see a bit of her brain, I think perhaps I better take her to Watford <laughs> General. <laughs> But you couldn't see her brain. You couldn't see her brain. Which was lucky. That's fantastic. And we, we are definitely going to go clay pigeon shooting. Is this going to happen? Yeah, well, I'd, I'm up for it. I'm totally up for it. You know you'll get a bruise. Sorry? You are. <laughs> you will. You'll get a bruise. On the shoulder from the, the recoil. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, tell you what, on Monday, let's bring in diaries and we'll sort this out. Okay. I'm totally up for it. And I'm going to bring a tape recorder and record us for the, for <laughs> the radio. Doing shooting. <laughs> Doing shooting. Okay, right. Okay. Jonathan, what's on your show today? Well, coming up on my show today, is it good when shops charge for plastic bags? A majority of people in England think a 5p charge should be introduced on plastic bags. A survey for the Break the Bag Bit campaign found that 75% agreed with the charge to cut litter and waste. Uh, the Welsh Government introduced a 5p charge on plastic bags a year ago. Ministers say habits have now changed and people are now, uh, are now very, very happy to pay for their bags. Well, are you? Are you happy to pay for a plastic bag? Do you know what? I don't mind, because you do an M&S, you pay, pay for a bag, and I kind of go, OK. But I don't think it's... It's not saving the world. I think it's absolutely outrageous. Really? I think most of your listeners will. I, I don't believe this figure of 75%. I can't believe it. They certainly didn't ask me. I, I object. If I go into... You know, if I'm good enough yes. to go into Marks and Spencer and spend my hard-earned money yes. on their very expensive food, mm. the least I expect is a blooming bit of plastic to carry the stuff home in. It's not going to save the world. Go and tell China to stop making coal-burning factories and it, furnaces. Exactly. And do you know what they've started doing? I mean, my, my I'm not rich enough to do my weekly shop in Marks & Spencer, but do you know what they've started doing in my supermarket? You've got... It's like, uh, it's like the plastic bag police sit on the till. And they, they hide them out of sight, yep. and you've got an entire conveyor belt filled with shopping, and they say, do you need any bags? <laughs> well, yes, I'm, I'm not going to get all of this in my arms, am I? Yes, I would like a bag. like three bags. No, no, in my supermarket now, they give you one. <laughs> so they get one bag out, they fluff it up, and they give it. So I look at them and I say, I think I might need more than just one. So then they go and they get another one, a second one. Oh. Each bag, you have to go through this rigmarole. Yep. It's ridiculous. Yep. Well, I want to hear your views. Is it good when shops charge for plastic bags? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I'm I'm in a mood. He's got a cob on this morning, and I'm ready for this. Bring it on. Call me at nine. <laughs> oh, Bring it I, on. I, I want guy. your call. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. I should certainly be listening at nine. Do I go now? Yes, you do. <laughs> There'll be no one switching over at half nine to Carl. He's in a proper mood. You can tell he came in and there was a slight air about him. And I always find that his shows have just got. They, they are genuinely excellent from nine o'clock but, but they've just got that little extra spark when he's got a proper cob on as he's got there <laughs> oh that's gonna be fun i can't believe that 75 percent of of members of a survey said they were happy to pay that that five pence for i kind of don't mind it i begrudge it a little bit but i kind of don't mind it that much but 
JVS does. Uh, on from nine o'clock. Always going to be worth uh, a listen. We shall be having the weather with Steve very, very shortly. But if you want to give us a call, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. We are trying to find your superstitions and your traditions that make no sense to you. We've had so many answers for why people salute magpies. None of them really kind of clear up the problem at all. And we still don't know why. It's unlucky to put shoes, new shoes, on a table. It's it's supposed to bring death into the house, but where on earth does that come from? You can text me 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455 555 and let me know. And if there are any things out there like that that are are bothering you and leaving you scratching your head, then uh, give us a call and we will try and solve them for you. I know that the listeners to Three Counties Radio, the the bang on, they're, they're, they're sharp, you're focused, you're clever, you're intelligent, you'll know the answer to all of these things. Won't you? I hope so. Now, happy National Tradesman Day. Did you send a card? You haven't heard of it before? Well, it's because it's the first one. It's been created to make us think positively uh, about builders, electricians and other tradespeople who work in our homes. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been out and about in Hertfordshire this morning and he's been speaking to Bruce Crane, who is a painter and decorator, an all-round handyman. So, Bruce, we're standing by your van here, which has got the landline number on it. Ian said earlier on he wouldn't book anybody without a landline. You've clearly got that. We know there are rip-off merchants in the business. You've been in the business for 40 years, doing things by the book. How do we stop the, the cowboys that are out there? Well, it's very difficult, you know, um, because these kids who, who basically don't know what they're doing, they, they can talk a good game, you know, and um, they can basically they can con you into it. You know, uh, they're, very, they're very clever because the way that they talk you into it, really. I think your top, top tip this morning would be to never pay anybody up front. But I just want to flip the coin round for a second because you've got a five-week job here in Hertfordshire. You won't get paid until after that work is completed. Have you ever been ripped off yourself by a consumer? Yeah, uh, only once. Yeah, it did happen uh, on one occasion. But um, the, the thing is, with what we're doing, we're probably doing... We're not doing it on a, a massive scale, a lot of the time, um, basically, if we're just doing um, we, we, a lot of the t- a lot of the time, we're just doing small jobs, mm. you know. So if we do get ripped off, it can only be probably for hundreds rather than thousands. Yeah, I just want to get my head around this as well because when you go to a job, if somebody picks up the phone and they say, "Bruce, uh, I've got a problem," or "Bruce, I need some work doing," when you walk into that home straight away, they're stereotyping you that they almost hate you the minute you walk through that door. How do you cope with that on a week-to-week basis? Yeah, well, I don't think that's um, I don't think that's uh, true, really, because we, like I said, we've been going for twenty years, and the majority of people who we work for, they know us and they know what we're like, they know our, work, our standard of work, and um, no, I don't think that's that is the case, really. You know, I don't, it's very rare that I go to a job and, and I'm basically disliked. As you, as you say, you know... Uh, because it comes through recommendations. Yeah, exactly. Which, again, is very, very key. And yeah. just lastly, these TV shows, Rogue Traders, Cowboy Trap, as you as somebody who works in the trade, mm-hmm. are you in favour of these TV shows? Oh, yeah, you know, they, they, they try and put your eyes to it, I suppose, you know, but wherever we go, we, we go recommend, recommended. So, basically, if I go to a new client, they've been recommended by a friend or a, 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 a relation. Um, so... Obviously, they're not 90% sure that they're not going to get ripped off. 
Rock on, Tommy. That's uh, Justin Dilly sp- sp- speaking to Bruce Crane there, who's a painter and decorator. Well, John Connolly is a handyman in Aylesbury. Good morning, John. Good morning. John, what are you noticing when people approach you for work? Are they becoming increasingly concerned about being ripped off? Well, they, some of them are a little bit cautious and things like that, but generally they're okay. If you do it, me, I do lots and lots of small work, so it's um, only in and out and uh, repairing toilet toilets and things like that. So um, I don't do many big jobs, so it's less concern for the people, I suppose. But how do you reassure people, John? Because, you know, even you're inviting someone into into your home who's going to do something that could fundamentally, you know, mess up and ruin the home. How do you get them to be confident in you, John? Yeah, well, that's right. I, um, I'm, I uh, advertise through trading standards in a buy with confidence scheme. And to get into that, you've got to be police checked. And they check, uh, they take about that 20 names and of people you've worked for before and they uh, grill them as to what your work was like, so... So that's a proper... It's a pretty good screening. Oh, it's a pretty good screening to, yeah, weed out people that haven't done a good job in the past. Because one of my bugbears, and I know it's uh, JVS's as well, I heard him talking about it yesterday, is people think if someone's got an advert in the newspaper or the Yellow Pages or they've got a slick flyer, oh, they must be good, but that's not always the case, is it? No, some of the, some of the best flyers could be the worst people you can get, I yeah. imagine. No, so it is recommendation... Um, word of mouth, I get a lot of repeat work. Um, so, you know. And John, how are things looking? Are you busy at the moment? You got I'm, a lot on? I'm, I'm very busy at the moment, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, listen, best luck. Thank you so much. John Connolly, who's a handyman uh, from Aylesbury. And I did hear JVS talking about this yesterday. Uh, and it, it's true. Listen, someone puts a slick flyer through your door or can afford an advert in a local newspaper. Wow, they must be good. Listen, to advertise in a local paper. It's probably about 25 quid to get, a, get a, you know, a decent quarter-page advert. It's not that much money. It doesn't mean they're any good. Anyone can knock up a decent advert these days on a computer. You've got to be so careful. Word of mouth. It's all about word of mouth. We've got a ukulele band coming in soon. There is a picture of me with my uke uh, up on Twitter and Facebook now. If you follow us, at BBC3CR on Twitter, or go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR, you can see me... I look like a dad with a ukulele, basically. And to be honest, that's what I am. We're playing some more uke later on with the band. But first of all, the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, now, you will hear Justin Dealey popping up uh, on this show fairly regularly. He's going to come up a little bit later on. But if you didn't realise, Justin's also got his own show. Saturdays, 9 till 12. Uh, this Saturday morning from 9, Justin will be looking at the UK and American charts from this weekend in 1982. Plus, and how cool is this? He's got a member of The Temptations coming in, Richard Street. He'll be talking Motown and picking a selection of soul tracks that inspired him when he was growing up. So that's Justin Dealey this Saturday from 9am on BBC Three Counties Radio. We've been talking this morning, lots and lots of stuff on this morning. Ukuleles coming up later. Uh, Traditions, superstitions, ghosts. And also we'll be talking about Alzheimer's later on. But the question that's been bothering us uh, quite a bit this morning is, why don't we put new shoes on a table? Well, Barry and Houghton Regis uh, has uh, contacted us. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Ian. What's, what's the story behind why we don't put new shoes on a table? Well, as far as I understand it all, um, many years ago, people were always dressed in new clothes to be buried, including new shoes. Yes. And new shoes come in boxes, 
and it's all very symbolic. If you put oh. new shoes on a table in a box, which I almost certainly be, you know, you're symbolising and calling up the devil and all sorts of things. Ah, so it's 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 to do with um, with with it's supposed to be basically representing a, a coffin. Well, that's as far as I can understand it. Yeah. Do people? You say they used to. Do people not put on new new clothes to be buried in then? Well, probably the best clothes. I wouldn't go out specifically and have new ones for it. I you wouldn't want to be buried in new shoes, would you? There's just going to be sore on the feet. Well, yeah, would you bother? That is yeah. true. Uh, hang on, Barry, stay and, there. And one thing, can oh, I yes, just say? Of course you can. Um, I'm also involved with Tad's Theatre Group in Toddington. Oh, yes. And this weekend and next weekend, we have our particular play does refer to bodies and boxes and oh. tables and all that oh, sort of thing. Go on, what play is it? It's a play called Rope by Patrick Hamilton. Very old play. Famous play, of course. Yeah, yeah, and we're putting that on the say. Where, um, where, whereabouts is that, uh, it, Barry? It's Conga Lane Toddington. You can get all the details on Tad's Theatre Group if you Google it, because I wasn't expecting to speak to you. Well, this but, is... Um, it's a very good play. Um, Are you in it, uh, Barry? I'm stage manager for oh, this particular okay. one. Okay. So do, you, do you get to? Oh, do you get to do the thing where you pull the rope and open the, open the curtain? Yes. Well, it's the most important job in any play. Oh, obviously. Barry, listen. Thank you very much for that. Best of luck. Um, Dave is in Luton. Dave. Hi. What's your take um, on this uh, uh, the shoes on tables thing? Well, I'm with um, I'm with Barry. Uh, uh, my mother told me exactly the same thing. Right. Uh, new shoes only go on the table when either you're born or you, you're going to die. Well, you're being buried, as he says. You when have you're new born, shoes in I, your coffin. I hadn't heard the thing about when you're born. Well, I, I don't know where that came from either. But um, I think it's because you put your new new newborn on the table, maybe during the baby shower or something. I like suppose that. so. Yeah, yeah. So new shoes go on then and as do well. You, Dave, do you? Because I learnt all this from my mum, and when I was like seventeen, eighteen, it's like, yeah, whatever, old lady. But now I'm approaching forty. I'm kind of taking all of her things on board. Do you? Do you? Do you still kind of cautious around things like that? Oh, that's true. Um, there's so many things she said when I was young that, I, you know, you brush aside, but yeah. you, you do you do see it in a different light when you get a bit older. You get around at, you know, human, their human age beings. when they were telling you Yeah, that. exactly. Human beings are strange people. We are, you know, we, we, we think we're rational and we're scientific, but even the most rational of us cling to these weird superstitions and things. David, listen, thank you very much uh, for that. We've been talking about ghosts this morning as well, in as much as I am possibly, hopefully, fingers crossed, going to spend uh, the night on a ghost hunt. We've had uh, Anne uh, got in touch and said, Ian, don't get involved. Do not get involved. Well, Veronica and Dunstable is in touch now. Veronica, what's your take on this? Good morning. Good morning. Um, Well, I've never been to a seance or anything like that, but uh, when we moved into our house in Dunstable about 25 years ago, it all started, I was upstairs one afternoon and my husband was downstairs, and I thought I heard him coming up the stairs, and he thought, I, he heard me coming down the stairs. Yeah. And we sort of jokingly said, oh, it must be ghosts. But so many things have sort of happened in the house. It's very, very strange. I mean, it doesn't bother us at all. Um, my son and I have seen them. Ooh, hang on um, a second. What? Yeah, but it's it's really odd. You sort of... It's difficult to explain. I see them like, out of the corner of your eye. You sort of yeah. glance them, and then when you oh. look, there's nothing there. Yeah. Um, but we've seen quite a few. I have in my front room. It's not an old house. We don't know where they come from. But they have like seem to have like cocktail parties in my front room. Hang, on, hang on a minute, Veronica. I was <laughs> going with you until that. You have loads of ghosts having cocktail parties in your yeah. front room? Yeah. 
And then my son, when he was quite young, yeah. woke up one night and he couldn't move in the bed. It was like someone was sitting on the bed oh. and he sort of looked up and there was an old lady sitting on his bed. Oh, um, there's a little boy that looks out of his bedroom window sometimes, I've seen from the garden. You know the feeling when you're being yeah, watched? Yeah. Um, and I was washing up once and I sort of glanced into the hall and there was a, a guy standing there, sort of a... I don't know, workman-type guy. Yeah. But, as I say, it's only, like, out of the corner of your eye or you'll see a shadow. Veronica, have you, ha- have you ever had any experts or ghost hunters come round to have a look no, at this? No, I haven't, because I don't want to upset them. Right. So, um, w- they're w- quite happy. I'm quite happy. You, w- you, you wouldn't be a- approachable to me coming round with a ghost hunter to have a little look? Well, yeah, if you want to. Could we? Yeah. If I, if I brought a ghost hunter around, not yeah. to scare them away, just to maybe see who they are, could we do that? Yeah, I mean, they're not here all the time. I don't see them, it's not like I see them every day. Okay. Um, nobody's oh, ever come into the house and said, it. oh, I don't like the feeling of this. Right. Veronica, listen, go, go, I shall put you back to my production team. We'll make sure we've got your details, an email and a phone number. I'm coming round, Veronica. That's what we're doing. I'm going to bring a ghost hunter around to your house. We're going to speak to the spirits. What's your... Now... I'm slightly doing a chinny rack on and rubbing my chin, but it's given me um, goosebumps. It's given me goosebumps. Uh, we're talking as well about the slightly more sensitive issue of Alzheimer's. Uh, after a report has come out that said a lot of people, um, when they diagnose with Alzheimer's, they kind of keep it secret because of the stigma. Uh, Matt is in Luton. Good morning, Matt. Hello. Matt, I, I believe that your wife has been diagnosed oh, yes, with yes, Alzheimer's. Quite a few years now. And, and what's, what's your situation? Well, she's in. Uh, she broke her hip some time ago. She's in uh, rehab now. Yeah, and she may have to go in a home permanent. Um, but uh, you were on about the stigma. Yeah, we've noticed. I've noticed. She worked at the hospital years ago, and not, none of these people have been to see her. They all know that she's got dementia, mm. and it's very sad that people should shun away, uh, more or less scared. And it's the same person. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you hit it when you said about your mother. Mm. Uh, and it, I, I had a tear in my eye this morning. I rang my door and it really upset you. And even, even members of a family shun away. Mm. It's very sad. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. That is terrible. Well, it's, it's not. I'm not sorry. She's a lovely woman. And of course. It's your wife. She deserves that little bit extra. Yeah. But people, why do they shun away? Listen, Matt, I had the same thing with my mum, with or, uh, hardly any of her friends see her. A lot of her family, it's interesting you said that, I wasn't going to mention it, a lot of her family don't see her or see her once a year. Yes, and they, and think, they think it's... They think they're doing a big deal. And I got really angry about it for a long, long time. And what I've had to do, Matt, is I've had to let that anger go and just think, it's their loss. It's their loss. Because they're not seeing... They're, that's still my mum. And she still has moments when she's hilarious and when she's wonderful and when she's 20 years younger. And I've got that. My wife's got that. My yeah. sister and my kids have got that. And it's everyone else's oh, loss. You, you're so right. Yeah. And, and, and your show is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you, you're you. nearly as good as JBS. <laughs> I take that as very high praise because he is JBS the master. Is my, he's brilliant, isn't he? He's been great to me and Margaret. Well, Matt, listen, lots of love to you and Margaret, and thank you so much for feeling confident and comfortable enough to come on the air uh, and share that story. And it is, people who who are not affected by illness will find it amazing that people do that. Friends and family can just disappear. Well, we are discussing Alzheimer's uh, this morning, and our reporter, Justin Dealey, uh, is at a memory clinic in Borehamwood in Hertfordshire. Morning, Justin. What, what is this clinic? What happens there? Hello, we're, yeah, we're about to find out right now, because uh, with me live in the radio car is Jerry Gagan. Jerry, you're a, a memory nurse here. Uh, the key question, what exactly is a memory clinic, then? 
Well, a memory clinic is where we review people with a diagnosis of either Alzheimer's type dementia or mixed type dementia who have been started on um, memory enhancement drugs, anticholinesterase inhibitors. It's where they come along with their loved ones, uh, we do a memory test and just review how they've been every six months. You're treating hundreds of people here. Now, we can't do the test on air this morning because it will take too long. So, on average, how long does it take and what's in that memory test? Well, in, in the memory test, we look at orientation, um, uh, tension and concentration, recall. Um, we, we look at... Um, we, we also do other tests. We look at their functional abilities within the home. Um, the, the appointment lasts for around about half an hour. Um, the memory test itself is it's a quick test. It, it's done in about five to ten minutes, depending on the person's ability to answer the questions. And then we um, allow the patient and, and their loved ones to, um, to spend a bit of time talking about how things have been for them over the last six months. There's so much I want to ask you. You've just been listening to the show that you heard Ian talking to Matt in Luton. Very, yeah. very moving call. You were shaking your head because you totally agree that there's a big stigma. Some people you talk to think that you're crazy if you're working here because if you touch these people, you're going to get Alzheimer's. Yeah. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Well, it, it's just people's views on... on um, the the job that you do they they think that um you know you're going to catch something these what people have to try and remember is these are human beings yeah they they have had a life they still have a life um and what we need to do is we need to actually try and come into their world bring ourselves into their world and try and find where where they are and how to connect and communicate with them. Okay, just lasting quite briefly on this, uh, you score your memory as 9 out of 10, I should hope so, <laughs> being a, a memory nurse here, but uh, my short-term memory is, is appalling, if I'm being honest with you. My long-term memory is it's quite incredible. People say to me, how do you remember that? So, just lastly, would your advice be to anybody, if they think they've got a problem, for goodness sake, go and see your GP. Forget about being embarrassed, just do it. Well, that, that's precisely what I would say. I would say, um, any concern either with your own memory or a loved one's memory go along to your GP um, they can do a quick test there and if they think that there is a problem that needs further investigation they will then refer them on to our service and we will come out and do a memory test and we'll do whatever investigations we need to do to make a diagnosis. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Really appreciate it. There you go. That's the memory nurse, Jerry Gagan, joining us live on, on The Breakfast Show this morning. What I would say there, Ian, is quite depressing what uh, Jerry was saying, the, the stigma which is mm. still in the year 2012 attached with this, which is just absolutely shocking. It really is. It is incredible. I, I think, and I hope that it's getting better, Justin, and I think that people are slowly, that the stigma is slowly vanishing, but yeah, it's still there and it's not good enough. Justin, thank you very much. Excellent report there. Justin Dealey at the Memory Clinic in Borehamwood in Hertfordshire. Good morning. It's uh, 8.45. Excuse me. It's Friday, September the 21st. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A man will appear in court this morning charged with the murders of two female police officers who were shot dead in Greater Manchester on Tuesday. New figures from Alzheimer's Disease International suggests a quarter of people with dementia are keeping it a secret from their loved ones for fear of social stigma.
In sport, England begin the defence of their ICC World 2020 title against Afghanistan this afternoon. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Cloudy and dry at first, but we'll have rain this afternoon and into the evening. Top temperature is 16 degrees. Coming up, oh, very, very excited. I've been a good boy this week, so I've got a treat. We're going to be joined by the Sandy Ukulele Group live in the studio. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm just organising the band. We're all... Just grab a seat wherever you can. We'll open all the mics and we'll make this work somehow. Oh, Don't you worry about this. It's going to be shambolic. It's Friday. It doesn't matter if it's shambolic or not in the slightest. Dear listener, look, I've brought... I've brought I, I should say, gentlemen and ladies, I've brought two ukes in. This is my posh one, but I've broken a string on it. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, oh, dear. Oh, dear. I need a bit of hand. I've never changed you the ukulele. You strings at the music shop in Sunday. Can... <laughs> <laughs> And sir, would you be working in this music shop? There oh, we go. <laughs> but so I've, I've also got my, my little cheat one. This is my little boys, but this, uh, we can get a tune out of it. It's it's Ukulele Friday, and what it means is every Friday I'm going to bring my ukulele in. No, I wouldn't dare. But we thought today we'd do something a little bit different, a little bit special. Um, the Sandy Ukulele Group have joined me in the studio. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hello there. Hi. Lovely to have you all here. We've got one, two, three, four, five. Let's shout out your names very quickly, going from left to right. Brian. Brian. Andy. Ooh. Sylvie. Glenn. There we go. We've, we've, got, we've got two Brian's. That's, that's already confusing enough. We have a, 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 an array of ukuleles, some very, very nice ones, and a lovely ma- little Mahalo there. They're, 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 now, listen, if people want to get ukuleles, the Mahalos are the place to start, because they're like 15, 20 quid or something, and you can, you can get a pretty decent tune out of them. Yeah. Before we start and have a chat, should we have a little song? Yeah, why not? What would you like to play for us? Putting on the agony. Oh, go on, let's have some of this. Okay. Are you joining in? Uh, well, what, are, what are the chords? C, G, 7, C, 7, and F. Uh, I, I can, okay, I can do some of those. Right, okay. go on. Here we go. <laughs> Sweet 16, goes to church just to see the boys. Laughs and screams and She's only a pudding on the stop. Brian, listen, your mouth is nearer to a microphone, so I'm gonna, you're, you're the spokesman, I'm afraid. Oh, okay, so are you confident with that? Oh, yeah, fine. Excellent. Fine, fine. How on earth did you lot get together? Why did you get together? Um, it was all Andy's fault. Right. I went into the music shop at a certain place. Yes. <laughs> and uh, said I would like guitar lessons, and yep. he said, uh, we've got a ukulele group starting next week. No one knows how to play. <laughs> are you interested? Yes, wonderful. So I got hooked. Yeah. And we've been together now... A year October. A year October. Now, Andy, you, you, it's, it's interesting you say that, because a friend of mine bought me a ukulele a couple of years ago for a birthday present. I looked at it and went, 
Yep, whatever. <laughs> and I left it in a box. It was a pink flying V. I left it in the box for ages. And then one day I was very, very bored. And I thought, I'll get it out. Uh, and I can play a bit of guitar, but it's different chords. And I went on YouTube. And within 20 minutes, I had three Beatles songs Absolutely. on my mm-hmm. belt. It's so easy to play and it get is. a decent sound out of it, isn't it's it? It's so yeah. accessible. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, would you recommend this over a guitar? Because to start off with, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we've got a kids' group as well. If you just come a little bit closer sure, to yeah, it. Yeah, we've go. got a kids' group that meets on Saturday mornings. Yeah. And the great thing is, you've got six, seven, eight year olds mm. that can play two or three chords and can sing 50 odd songs. The thing as well, I've got a boy who's two and a half, and he, he can't play the chords, but he's got the strumming. Yeah. So he'll sit on my lap, I'll do the chords, he does the strumming, and he, he, we're, we're playing head, shoulders, knees, and toes. And it's fantastic. And also, because it's, you know, the, that, that one over there is quite expensive. This one is 15 quid. It gets yeah. a great sound out of it. He can jump on it, he can throw it. Do you know what I mean? He can play with it and hold it and not be afraid of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. How did you get this motley crew of wastrels <laughs> together? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't, I don't no, and I mean that with the greatest <laughs> respect. Um, I suppose Sylvie um, was coming into the shop quite a lot, and really was the the inspiration to start it because she played uke already. Yeah, and um, I just built and built really. Yeah, it's amazing. But now I've got fourteen. Got fourteen members. Fourteen. Forty. Four zero. Fourteen. 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 Okay, that's that's, that's right. a bit more realistic. Fourteen. How do you get them all together to rehearse though? Well, in the shop we've yep. got a studio downstairs. Yeah, and we all rehearse down there on a Friday and night. Where about you play? What kind of gigs do you do? Um, not so much gigs. We do lots of old, old folks' homes. Right. Um, do some school work, stuff yep. like that. So, yeah, community stuff, really. Shall I do a song for you? Go on. Go on. I see you driving round town with a girl I love, and I'm like, forget you. I guess the change in my pocket wasn't enough, and I'm like, forget you and forget her too. If I was richer, I'd still be with her. That, that's pretty much what You I can headline for us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm there. I'm there, brother. I'm us. totally there. Can you, <laughs> listen, we're going to take a phone call in a second. Before, d- David, stay there. David called in ages ago. I've left him hanging. Sorry, Dave. We'll be with you in a... David, we'll be with you in a second. Okay. I'm, I'm talking to the ukulele people. Is that okay? Uh-huh. Good, I can hear it. Good lad. Well, you keep, you keep listening. You can join in with the next song if you want. All right. I've got my head out the window. <laughs> He's called in about businesses. We were, can, can you give us another song before we talk to David? Yeah, what else have you got? A comedy bit. Yes. Okay. What, what are the chords to this? Can I join in? F- yeah. C7, C7. I'm in. Yeah. Go. Okay. So. You will know this one. Yeah. So. If you think you're on the run We are the boys who will stop your little game We are the boys who will make you think again Oh, who do you think you're kidding, Mr Hitler? If you think old England's done Mr Brown goes off to town on the A21 Comes on me cheating and he's ready with his gun. So who do you join him, David? Oh, fantastic. Well done. <laughs> Stay there, boys and girls. I, mean, I, I must talk to David. I've been very, very rude and left him hanging. David, I do apologise. Right. It's all right. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> I've just been playing tape of bluegrass music from America, so listen to that lot. Oh, well, there you go, a bit of bluegrass, a bit of ukulele, it all comes from the same place. Listen, you've called in about something completely different. What, what, what was the uh, text you sent in? That's uh, the, uh, the removals. Uh, for 30 years, I did house removals in Luton. Yes. 
And what I found was, if I advertised in the paper, they thought I was a cowboy and I was cheap. Right. But if I advertised in the yellow pages with a nice little advert, they thought I was bona fide. And they never checked up. And I'm, but sometimes I never went around the house. They say, can you do so? And so I'd only had a, a medium van and I'd only do smaller type places. And they'd tell me what they got and I would arrange a date and I would turn up on the day and just take pot luck. But if it, they never used to, you know, vet me or anything like that. But, Isn't that funny? but in the papers, oh no, no, too dear, no, too dear. Now, Isn't that funny? Now my prices, yeah, were low because I'm quite happy. If Pickford's charged seven hundred, I charge two fifty to three hundred max, and I have to pay my helper. So if I went home with two hundred or two hundred fifty quid in my pocket, I was happy, and it was only a day's work. And that's how I work. Sometimes I might go around there and I think, oh, bloody hell, look at all that all stuff. Right. David, and, what I might, <laughs> and I might have to do two trips. David, listen, thank you for that. It was a Category C swear word. I think we can get away with that. But do watch your language, for goodness sake. We've got young ears listening. I know, I know on Jonathan's show, pretty much anything goes. But we have standards here on The Breakfast Show. At least I'm trying to introduce them. Which is why we've got... Let's get the right name for the group. It's the Sandy Ukulele Group. Is that... It is. Okay. Yep. We have a young lady with us. Mm-hmm. The only young lady. If you come a little bit closer to the microphone, what's it like <laughs> with all these boys they look a little bit rowdy to be we, honest we don't stop laughing actually really yeah, is it good fun a lot yeah friday nights we don't stop laughing that's good and are you are, are you are you are you married are you single what's the are you, are you doing this to get away from your wives and your husbands do you really absolutely that's a night what let's have a look at your uke that's a lovely one you got there let's have a little look at this bad boy oh look at this this is can i do you mind yeah, my look, look at this is fantastic oh there we go look at the tone on that that's wonderful. Oh, look. It's, you can feel, it's funny, isn't it? The, the cheap ones are great, and the cheap ones do the job. If you've got a kid, or if you want to, you just you're interested and you're not sure if you're going to go for it, they do the job. But then yeah. when you spend a few quid like that, this is my little pride and joy, and I do love it. They make such a big difference. Uh, so, ha- have you got anything coming up that anyone can come and see you at, or are you? No, we've got some Christmas stuff coming up. Second of December. Yep. On Sunday, we'll be at the Sandy Christmas Cracker, which is the turning on of the Christmas lights. Right. Performing there. Lovely. And in an old folks near you, really. Oh. Old folks home near you. In Fantastic. <laughs> and, and it is, the thing is, it is such a joyous sound as well. Right. It's, and and it, it, in the last few years, with groups like the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain, who I've oh, seen yeah. at the Royal Albert Hall, Fantastic. I saw them at the proms, and three quarters of the audience have brought a ukulele on uh, along with them, and everybody joined in. And it was what a sound, you know, 6,000 people playing the uke <laughs> together. is wonderful. And you do get these kind of uke jams where people turn up and they all play together. Yeah. Why has it become so popular in the last couple of years? I think it's so accessible. Yeah. It's so easy to pl- to get hold of and play, and relatively cheap instrument to buy. Yeah. You know, it's great. It's, you don't it's need just, to read music at all. Yeah. Just no. to learn the chord boxes and you're off. I bought a banjo the other day. All oh, right. Well, oh, blimey, that's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, that was, that was 400 quid I'm not going to get back. Now, very quickly, before we go to the travel, can you give us another song to play us okay. out? Yeah. Yes. And if I fade you out halfway through, don't think I'm no, being rude. Fine. Well, thanks so, very much indeed. It's, it's a Sandy Ukulele Orchestra. It's a Sandy Ukulele Group. Yes. yes. Play us out, boys and girls, please. One, two. Yes, sir. That's my baby. baby. Someone started early. Someone yeah. started early. Come on now. I'm not okay. going to point any fingers, but it was you. That's what it's all about. Now, that's what it's all about. Of course one, it is. Two, oh, one, one, two, two, three. Oh. Yes, there we go. Sir, that's my baby. Yes, sir. I don't mean baby. Yes, sir. That's my baby now. Fantastic.
BBC, Three Counties Radio. You keep playing, ladies and gentlemen, and go to the travel. Let's go over now and get the latest on the roads with Sophie Tyler. We're still going, we're still going. This has been Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio with the Sandy Ukulele Group. There we go. And your timing was perfect as well. It's almost as if you knew exactly when to end. Thank you so much for coming in. It's a pleasure to meet you all. Oh, dear. What a way to end the week. <laughs> Superb. Thank you, Sandy Ukulele Group. We'll see you again at some point in the future. You can help me restring my uke as well. Stick around, because coming up, Jonathan Vernon Smith will be on after 9 o'clock. I'll be back at 6. Have a nice weekend. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.